warning, I'm a huge Supreme Court Constitution nerd. Like some people really follow sports teams and some people really follow like, I don't know, like Warhammer or whatever the fuck they're into. Uh, for me, that's a nasty shit they're in the fucking Warhammer. Warhammer is, it's, I, I, you know, teach their own. Uh, but like, I, I just consume. Did you have a bad experience? You you sound like a, like a, like a coming of age father with a gay son to to each his own. You know, he does his thing. I do my thing. Just don't rub it in my face, that Warhammer. Short version. One of my soldiers, when I was in the army, was away on training and we had room inspections. And when his room got inspected, uh, I was not there. It was covered in two things. One, hand-painted Warhammer figurines and jizz. It was in like the low, it was like low 70s today. It was fucking gorgeous am i allowed to swear on your podcast yes yeah you can swear you can say fuck oh cool cool, cool. we don't plan on getting any sponsors anytime soon so we can uh you can say whatever you want yeah it'd be really hard for me to do all this and not uh, we're gonna we're gonna be really upset about racial slurs and stuff like that but but just the naughty words the regular ones it's fine (laughs) no mostly just fucks uh, I, I tend to, yeah. As a straight white guy, I try to avoid using the N word. <laughs> yeah, James, like most yeah. liberals, is a closeted racist, but uh, not not <laughs> out. Well, I, I live in a I live in a mostly Italian neighborhood, so I've just I've I have established like a deep seated hatred for boomer aged Italian people. Um, I do hope. Oh, they you need to die, meet actually. my old neighbor, dude. She Did was you... adorable. She needed our unborn child a stocking for Christmas. Was she a boomer? Or I, was she like I, old? What? And I bet she uses the N word in in private. She on might. Oh, yeah. She might. Yeah. yeah she talks about like, as she's people. like as she's like making her pasta sauce. You know, yeah. she's like, oh, you know, like just for no I reason. I remember like, when not the even, colored like... folk made this. <laughs> yeah. Can you can you believe they let them deliver the mail now? You know, like oh just, my god. Know, uh, do you say do you say Italian uh, to to upset them? <laughs> no, but I, I do like to like mispronounce pasta names on a regular basis. Oh. You know, just I like to, to say I'm like from Texas, so sometimes I'll say pasta. <laughs> you just see them like wrinkle up. You know what I didn't realize? There's a uh, what is the pasta that's not native to Italy that is literally just made for fat Americans? And uh, what is it? What is it? What is it? It's pagooders. No, 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 no. But it's something that like uh. there are certain Italian restaurants in Italy. Who will carry it just to cater to tourists because they they ask for it? Oh, constantly. you're talking about fettuccine Alfredo. Fettuccine. Alfredo yes, yeah. Fettuccine Alfredo. I learned a Alfredo. week ago is not native to Italy. It was literally just made for Americans. So I like Outback Steakhouse. I was just telling Jordan. I mean, so you know, I teach con law. So I figured what I would do is like to kind of lead in would would be basically like give you all a primer on constitutional law. Uh, I'm functioning under, like, I, I told him I'm going to treat this like a freshman class, right? Okay. So, like, I know you all went to high school and got, went to, Barely. and took some kind of civics class that you've probably forgotten most of, right? Yeah. So, like, um, and that's where most of my students are. You know what I mean? So, it's, it's, I think it's a, a pretty good, like, bellwether. Are you going to sing how a bill is made? I really, I really liked my government macroeconomics class. Macroeconomics? Well, I, yeah, macroeconomics. Oh, we didn't even have that offered in my school. 
Really? Yeah, no. It well, was, in, it was in, civics, in and that was, was pretty much it. It was one, one class. Government oh, okay. and macroeconomics was one class. Oh. It didn't didn't get its own class. Sounds like a lot of shit to cover in one period. Well, it's, it's macro. It's never... So it's, yeah. Well, even, I don't know, even like my intro, like, um, like American government courses that I teach, it, it, it's fucking impossible. Like, you can't. You can't cover the government in in a semester. Um, Doesn't that piss you off? Yeah. There's just so much of it that it's like, no, you got to go to you got to go to school for eight years. Yeah. Now you got to get a doctorate now. Yeah. Well, and like, <laughs> yeah, complicated. It, and and there's the fact that my the fact that like my students tend to care a lot about shit that they don't understand and not a lot about the things that they should care. Isn't about. Isn't that everyone though? Why why is that though? <laughs> Who. <laughs> because people watch the news and they and and it's easy to just repeat things to sound cool. Because Hannity said it or something. It's got to be more than that. The maybe like the less the less you understand something, the more like aggravating it is, and then the more nuanced so, it becomes in your mind, is, you're like, the, ah, I don't know. What's that bell curve? The version called? I use. Sorry, James. The version I use with my students is it's like learning about skin cancer. Right. So like if you learn, I start learning about skin cancer, you realize that like you should basically never be out in the sun because you're going to get cancer. Right. So the more you learn about it and the more that you learn about all the things you should be doing to prevent it, the more you're like, oh, this is going to be a giant pain in the ass. I don't feel like doing this. Yeah. That's how most of my students, they're just like, we're just going to fucking get cancer and call it a day. Yeah, much easier to uh, just cut out the cancer than to fucking put sunscreen on every day. Or in this case, just and ignore by cut the, out cancer the cancer. And... They mean like. Make inflammatory Facebook posts. Yeah, you know exactly. I, mean? like that's, I don't know anyone who used to do that. But that rather is than the like, cancer. Rather than like, you know, learning about political candidates and, and voting and especially showing up for your local elections and all that fun shit. So, yeah. But, you know, such is the life. But local elections are hard. There's so many of them. Oh. <laughs> You're, you're, you're giving me, you're, you're triggering my PTSD. I missed my oh. bond election recently. There was a bond election here in San Antonio. I was going to vote no on all of them, but, um, uh, you know, I have a kid and it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to go do it. But, we just uh, had a local election well, and, 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 and I, I missed it because I, I literally had no idea who was running and I've, I have not had any time. I was like, I'm not going to vote for somebody okay. I don't know, but wait, wait, I, wait. I've had zero time to study any of the candidates. So I was perfect. This I just important. want you to know, I, I'm really yeah. disappointed in both of you. Right uh, <laughs> I think like welcome to my father's of, life. Like I'm not upset with you. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Um, Thanks dad. I know. I, I honestly believe I I agree I, I see where you're coming from with the like you got to vote if you want to be involved if you, if you want to have an opinion you should be involved if you want to be involved you got to vote I get that um, I also think that if you have no idea what's going on it's probably not a good idea to go and vote that's fair that's absolutely um, fair I think it's that's responsible to say you know I, you know <laughs> if I you don't know how to drive nobody's suggesting you just go out and yeah. learn <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just well, just no, it's, make it's turns about, and, and go fast until you make a mistake. You'll learn. Triage, triage. Right. Like right. start with the ones that matter. Right. Like yeah. so, you live in in Texas, Andrew. Yes. So like, don't ever bother to vote in a state or national election because we already know how those are going to fucking yeah, go. Yeah. Right. Right. Like same with like here in here in Connecticut. Like I don't need to vote for the president here. I already know how it's going to go. But in like in the town that I live in, fuck yeah. So yeah. that's you know what I mean. That's where like I mean 
you know, mayors and city councils will yeah, win. Yeah, but by people 50, that are involved votes, in your daily life you know, that like, can make you miserable. And they're and they're the ones that are fucking up your property taxes. And, you yes. know what I mean? Like, yes, they um, are actually. The, the president <laughs> ultimately doesn't really do shit. You know, so yeah. like, um, there's your civics lesson for. That. Actually, no, I guess we're going to continue the civics lesson. Um, yeah. Well, hold on, uh, Jordan, go ahead and introduce yeah. uh, our friend here. Let's do it. Let me um, I'm gonna do a quick, quick read of that uh, text that he sent me because I, I don't know if I'd be able to. You don't think you could introduce your I friend? Could, your oh, personal I introduce friend? him how I know him. I, I just, like look at the title of the thing. I just wrote "smart guy say, James Hart." Why don't, you, <laughs> why don't you start with that, and then you can add some detail. All right. All right. <laughs> Oh, man. This is some guy I found on the street. Yeah. He says he's a professor. I don't know. <laughs> Hypothetically. Yeah. yeah. Alleg allegedly. allegedly. They let you teach you children. You can't prove that. They let you mold the minds of our youth. Anyway. Welcome, everyone, <laughs> to the A Better Way to a Podcast. We are your hosts, Jordan and Andrew. And with us tonight, we have James Hart. He's an Army vet. An educator. He's an adjunct professor of political science and public administration. He's also my friend, and we thought it would be a great idea to have him on because he is incredibly knowledgeable about things that uh, affect us in our day-to-day -day lives uh, that I would say the majority of us have no idea whatsoever about. Um, so we're going to go over some things and uh, kind of start from square one with a lot of this stuff. Um, maybe touch on some current events and see where that goes. Uh, we've had some awesome conversations in the past. We don't always agree on everything. I think I would say 50% of the time we probably disagree, but, uh, I, I get a lot from, from this, this person having him around and, uh, and exposing me to new ideas. So, uh, we're here to share him with all of you. Dangerous new ideas. Dangerous. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, James. So you are, so, well, first of all, I guess let's tell us a little bit about yourself. How'd you, how long have you been teaching? Uh, how'd you get into teaching what you teach? Um, just a little bit about your background. Do you enjoy sure. teaching? Do you regret your decisions? <laughs> <laughs> so um, when I got out of the army in 2013, um, I was using the GI Bill, going back to school. Um, I finished my undergrad. I was feeling a little stuck about uh what, what I wanted to do after that. So I decided to go into teaching, um, got a graduate degree in education and then, um, public school teaching pays like shit. Uh, so I've heard uh, that. when one of my old, when one of my old professors reached out and was like, Hey, you want to pick up a couple of like evening classes, you know, um, none of the tenured faculty want to teach them. <laughs> so, <laughs> Here, do you so, want some classes so, nobody likes? <laughs> so have your pick. And I was like, Sure. Um, and, you know, I was excited definitely to, um, you know, I, you know, I was teaching, I was a high school social studies teacher and I was enjoying that, but like, it's, you can only go so far, right? Like the, the, you know, they're high school kids. They, you know, there's even like, I, I taught uh, AP US history, right? And like, you can only dive so deep, you know? So um, I was really excited to get to, um, and, and particularly actually, cause you know, as I said in my little bio thing, like I'm, I'm a pretty super liberal dude. And the, the, one of the universities that I teach at is, is very conservative. So I was really excited to kind of see what it would be like to kind of in that sort of in a, a less stereotypical academic environment and get to dive into some of this stuff. Um, 
And um, so now I've been teaching at the university level for about six or seven years. Uh, I teach at two universities, multidisciplinary stuff. I really I enjoy it a lot. Um, and one of the, the, the two areas of, I guess, my expertise have, have sort of fallen into um, constitutional law specific to um, like the evolution of particular current issues. So the two that I'm most interested in are is the Second Amendment, you know, gu- uh, gun control at the national level, and then also drug policy. Um, and nice. I'm a, a very, very interested in all of the thing, all the ways in which those intersect with systemic racism and economics and like it just touches everything those between those two issues they touch everything you know yeah, i and, feel that um, way i definitely do and there's just an enormous amount of misconception and misunderstanding that i think on both the left and the right really right, guide right. people in the wrong directions yeah um or maybe not necessarily the wrong directions, but like no, no, I think they're coming. I think, I think you're they're, they're, they're coming right. to it from an inherently sort of mis, like misinformed perspective. Yeah, agreed. and that's only gotten worse. You well, know, and, and uh, disingenuous sometimes too. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Where it's like they know that they're bullshitting you, but you know they know that a lot of people don't know that. It's less about be. It's it's more about being right than actually pursuing right. a genuine conviction. Exactly. Right. It's about you know owning the other side rather than it is. Um, actually like having a closely held belief. Well, you know, you have these, 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 uh, conservative pundits that, uh, you know, we, we had Milo Yiannopoulos, uh, that was the token gay conservative and we have Candace Owens, the token black conservative and not that they're the only ones, but Milo. Yeah. So everyone did. Um, (laughs) but, uh, thankfully he, uh, cringe moment. I used to like him. And then, uh, I don't know. I talked to some people. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I went outside. Um, but uh, there, you know, perfect example is is conservatives, and I'm just using conservatives, but liberals are guilty of this as well. But um, conservatives will Very use those so. people as kind of like an "I'm right" because see, look, they're saying it, kind of thing, instead of trying to understand, you know, why they believe what they believe and why the people who disagree with them disagree with them. And, and I think that's kind of like what you're saying as far as people just choosing to be. Choosing to say that I'm right and you're wrong instead of actually arguing from well, like they, a... they 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 miss out on this really really important part of building like a closely held view, which is interrogating your own viewpoint. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, like I like when I joined the army, I was from a small New England town. I went into it super liberal, and I remember a lot of friends of mine being like, "Oh, you're gonna you know you're gonna come out, you're gonna you know be more conservative." And actually, I think I came out more liberal because I spent five years having to flex that fucking muscle every day and defend my viewpoints. And then like, yeah, actually, the, the places where there was, <laughs> there was room to move, right? Like, um, and so here I sit, you know, and, and now I teach in, um, you know, one of the benefits that I have is, is my, it's interesting. My veteran status ends up like lending me additional credibility, I think, especially with some of my more conservative students. And it's given me a really in- interesting sort of entry point to, like engage in some really meaningful conversations, um, which is cool, which like, which I like, please understand, like, I don't take that for granted. I think it's super important. Um, well, you think what's super important being able to, being able to connect meaningfully with people who, you know, have a different viewpoint than you. Yeah. yeah so yeah. much so that you actually allow yourself to have a genuine conversation. Right. Whereas we, t- we, we now tend to uh, just sort the, of dig our, you know, dig our heels in, you know, 
you said it though, right? Like allow yourself to have a conversation with those mm -hmm. people, you know, that's, that's really what it comes down to. Cause a lot of the times it's not them putting up the, uh, the barrier. It's like you're engaging already for not the general, you're not you specifically, James, mm, sure, sure. But, you know, you're engaging from this point of, of like, you know, I'm in combat with this person. I'm in ideological mm -hmm. combat and I'm not going to give any ground. Well, and think about as that. Opposed like, to like the biases that you have coming into a conversation before you even talk to a person, look at how people automatically assume things about people they've never met before. You, you have people based on who they voted for saying that this person deserves death. This person deserves to lose their rights. This, this person, yeah. you know, is, and, and that's, that's somebody's mom, dad, grandfather, brother, sister, you know, you don't know them. And, and, so I think getting past that boundary, getting past that like wall that we've put up mentally or like subconsciously almost, uh, and 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 having those conversations is is important. And that's why like you know someone like you, James, like for clarification, without saying where you work, obviously, James, the school, James, uh, sorry, the university, James teaches at has a very uh, renowned criminal justice program. Um, so you get a lot of people who want to be cops, a lot of people who want to go into criminal justice there. And, and um, I, I would say based on some of the conversations that we have, find themselves conflicted when they start having conversations with you about things that they were very confident in before they sat in your classroom. Well, like, like I said, I, I, I don't ever, you know, I don't ever go into a class trying to change anybody's mind because that's not my job. My job is not to turn people into a certain type of thinker. But my job absolutely is to help them um, sort of work the muscles and the tools that they need to interrogate their own beliefs, right? And be able to actually, you know, when you, when you sort of settle on a, on a viewpoint, be able to actually like commit to it and meaningfully defend it. And also acknowledge, and inherent in that is like acknowledging the weaknesses in that argument. It's like, I look at it like a relationship, right? Like when you get married, you don't like every single thing about your spouse, right? Like, and you have to have this very sort of holistic viewpoint and you should with your beliefs too, whether it's about guns, gay marriage, marijuana, or gardening, right? Like you, you, you've got to, if you, and, and unfortunately, you know, the, the, the sort of constructs that are created by social media in particular make it really easy to not have to do that. You can just surround yourself in your echo chamber, right? And you can just be in this circle jerk of ideas that you already agree with. Um, and then when we are asked to interrogate those ideas or we actually like, sort of come into conflict, like Andrew had said, it's, it's, it's this conflict. It's not, you're not coming into it with empathy. You're not trying to understand the other person's viewpoint. Um, but so... I guess if maybe this is a good sort of jumping off point, um, you guys want to talk about the fucking constitution of the United States of motherfucking America? Fuck yeah. yeah. It's hardcore. Um, so, uh, warning, I'm a huge Supreme Court constitution nerd. Like some people really follow sports teams and some people really follow like, I don't know, like Warhammer or whatever the fuck they're into. <laughs> That's uh, a thing. Nasty I just, shit they're into. I, I, fucking Warhammer. I, I, Warhammer is, it's, I, I, you know, just run. Uh, but like, I, I just consume. Did you have a bad experience? I, I you sound like a, like a, like a coming of age father with a gay son to, to each his own. You know, he does his thing. I do my thing. He plays just don't Warhammer. look at my face, I, that Warhammer. Short version. One of my soldiers, when I was in the army, was away on training and we had room inspections 
And when his room got inspected, uh, I was not there. It was covered in two things. One, hand-painted Warhammer figurines and jizz. And just jizz-covered porno magazines everywhere. Um, so it's, Why it's, would if you I'm jizz honest, in the magazine? Why would you just into the magazine? I, it's funny. Am I, I missing was just something? Telling, I always no, thought that I was, was just, a joke. I never understood no, why people no, always made sticky pages jokes like that. There was literally hundreds of them, and I had to go in <laughs> with like contractor <laughs> trash bags and clean all this shit out. It was fucking awful. So yeah, I do. Warhammer is a bit triggering for me. If I'm being yeah, honest. okay, uh, understandable. There are a whole bunch think... of people who play Warhammer right now who are listening to this. They're like hey. saying not all Warhammer players. <laughs> We don't all do it in, in the pages. We don't all do that. As they're, as they're jerking Some of off us do it into, into, the a, toilet. into a magazine. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry, so I you're, guess you're a, you're, a, you're a constitutional SCOTUS nerd. Big, and I love like getting to teach courses in constitutional law is like a huge point of pride for me. And I mean, I spend hours every week listening to podcasts about the Supreme Court and reading, you know, SCOTUS blog and, and, and all those. And, um, and, you know, I, I suppose I'm, I'm sure you both are very aware, as I'm sure many of your listeners are, that like right now is a pretty bonkers time in terms of the Constitution. But the purpose yeah. of this conversation is to talk about the Second Amendment in the context of the Constitution, sort of what it means and sort of how we got from like where it started to here. So let's let's start right at the beginning. Right. So um, the Constitution was was ratified in uh, what was that 1788. Um, so. Right around that time, you know, they're, they're trying to work through the Bill of Rights, right? First first 10 amendments, right? Uh, first Amendment, second amendment, et cetera. And, the really good um, ones. The, the really juicy ones. Arguably some of the best. Although, common misconception, they are not in order of importance. It was literally I've just never heard anybody that say that. Them. I've, I've heard a number of people contend that, like, the First Amendment needs to be cherished the most because it's the first. And that has – it's not – Oh, like, you know, now that you say that, I, I think I have heard it phrased that way. I should I've never heard seriously. that. It's, I mean, again, it, it shows like one of the one of the things that really freaks me out sometimes is like the base level of knowledge that people lack as it relates to like. Does that mean the 14th Amendment is the 14th most important amendment? Like, that, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm that, well, that, that gets a little contentious by, by that logic. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so making me the origins of it make perfect sense. Right. So you had the Brits who we were trying to peel away from. One of the first things that they did when we started telling them to go fuck themselves was starting trying to secure weapons, right? They wanted to cut the, they wanted to, the term they used was neuter uh, the uh, the militias, right? So they, they were, you know, Lexington and, Lexington and Concord, all that stuff. So, um, you know, after the absolute, the abject failure that was the Articles of Confederation, our first constitution, right? Um, yeah. When they were trying to get the Bill of Rights ratified, the, understand that the Bill of Rights was meant to be sort of a mea culpa, right? It was meant to be like an offering to the colonies to be like, listen, listen, listen. Like, we're not going to be... It's like an abusive, uh, like a domestic violence situation. Like, listen, we're not going to be... We're not going to be bad like the last time. And we're not we're like gonna, those other guys. We're not like those other not, governments. <laughs> we're not like those other guys. Like, I like, you know, and... We're not going to tell you to shut and, up, you know? Well, and, and creating like go through a your basic, stuff. We're not going to check your phone. Uh, yeah. We're not going uh, <laughs> to... But, you know, making sure that there was, like, some basic guardrails as it related to some of the basics makes sense, right? Um, and the colonies were re very reasonable in their, like, not trusting big government, right? Because the last time that happened, it was an actual um, king, and it didn't go so fucking well, right? So 
there's your Second Amendment. Boom. That's why they 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 use the specific language about the militias. That's why, um, you know, there is some vagueness in the language as it relates to how it per pertains to individuals. Uh, although a lot of constitutional scholars nowadays would say that they often extend those protections using the same language. You know, the, the people means like the people, right? Not the militias, but we'll, we can get more into that. But the, the, the kind of boring part about the Second Amendment um, is that from there, from when the, the Constitution was ratified, nobody gave a flying fuck about the Second Amendment for yeah. the better part of 200 years. Yeah, from a constitutional standpoint. Yeah. Why well, they, is they, that? They, 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 well, they didn't have any reason to. Right. So you take those first, you know, hundred, I mean, you figure you got about, you got, it wasn't until 1934 that we saw the National Firearms Act. Right. Yeah. So between the 1780s and the 1930s, there was no gun legislation. There was no reason well, for okay. it. Okay. So there was no national gun legislation, but there were a lot sure. of instances of local uh, gun control sure. um, yeah, that could be really problematic people. and especially racist. Sure, but they didn't really have anything to do with yeah. the Constitution. Yeah, and okay. and the and and they never rose all the way to the Supreme Court. And keep in mind, and this is yeah, an like important nothing was ever tidbit. litigated. No, no, and and um, and keep in mind that the so judicial review, right, which is the mechanism by which the Supreme Court reviews laws and determines their constitutionality, ironically enough, is not in the Constitution. Article 3 does not give them that authority. They yeah. establish that authority in Marbury v. Madison, which is yeah. like your actually quick quick primer there. So Marbury, Marbury v. Madison, that's 1803. That is where the Supreme Court uh, essentially gave themselves the role of constitutional review, which uh, of judicial review, which makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense, and it is a good role for them. It's the only way they can actually function as a check or balance to the other two branches. Because they have to be able to do that. Yeah, and, and, and what was really awkward about Article 3 prior to that is that it didn't really clearly outline exactly how the fuck that was going to work. They were just like, well, yeah, we yeah. courts. And they were basically just copy-pasting the British government because they didn't know what else to do. Um, so Marbury v. Madison is what sort of set that apart, right? So then you can kind of fast-forward ahead. But, like, quick update is sort of as we get between, you know, the Marbury and um, some of the earlier sort of interactions with the Supreme Court. It's really important to understand that the Supreme Court has traditionally, without, almost without exclusion, taken a really, really narrow view of the Constitution and generally err on the side of not uh, consider what's considered constitutional expan like an, uh, an expansive constitutional uh, purview. So, like, like they don't look at it as a living document. They, they, they keep it very as, narrow, right? Yeah. So, you, I mean, look at it's like, a rule book. And, and and we have to acknowledge that they get it wrong probably more often than they get it right, right? Almost smack dab in, in between Marbury um, and, and, you know, things like the National Firearms Act, you've got the fucking Dred Scott decision where the Supreme Court was like, yeah, black people don't count as humans, right? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, you, you've got... Um, <laughs> right, like... <laughs> well, which is clearly like a, like, a, like a symptom of the times also because you, you have to think the Supreme Court is made up of people and those people have views and how they interpret the constitution and, and laws yeah. depends yes on those and, views yes and no yes and no because because if you if you look at it sort of big picture it is part of a bigger pattern of they were just following the constitution right like they weren't they just weren't they were they were deliberately choosing a non-expansionist sort of perspective 
So like you get a little further ahead and you get to um, like Schenck v. U.S. So that's 1919. That's the famous um, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Um, oh, my case. friend. Oh, okay. friend who loves this one because it's a, the 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 phrase you can't yell fire in a crowded theater is such a mis like a misconception about that case and and the precedent that it actually set. Well, the, the irony of the case is that it actually has one of the most full throated defenses, right, of exactly. the First Amendment within it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it did make this really important acknowledgement that there are limitations, right? That just because it's in the Bill of Rights doesn't mean that they are blanket. And, and, and this is where you start to see the court stretch, like just a little bit, right? Um, you start to see, but then at the same time, uh, 1927, you get uh, Whitney versus California. That's um, a case some of your listeners may have heard of. Um, it was a really big deal because it was about this, this woman who started, she was the person who like founded the Communist Party in California. And she was being charged. Um, basically, the government was saying at the time, you know, uh, 19... Late teens, 1920s, 1930s, the government was on this, like, super heavy anti-communist craziness. Uh, not even, like, even worse than it was in, like, the 50s and 60s, um, or the 40s and 50s, rather. Um, and they were, um, you know, putting people in jail and saying, oh, well, if you're starting a communist organization, you're basically a terrorist, right? Um, so you've got cases like Whitney v. California that actually upheld that. They basically said, yeah, the government's allowed to make these rules. Wow. So suck it. And and it really wasn't until like the 1960s that you really started to see the court like expand their their viewpoint and start to actually uh, extend uh, the protections of some of the uh, Bill of Rights so that they covered stuff not explicitly discussed and and frankly it's because they you know now these things were making them to making their way to the courts but prior to that uh, particularly in wartime think you know World War One World War Two in particular. When the when the government made rules, the Supreme Court was on board a hundred percent. Yeah, and so it's just it's important, like as we think about the courts now, right? As this very significant decision making body, because you know Congress is broken, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like understand that the act, the judicial activism of the nineteen sixties and and really till now. Was a like in the two hundred plus years of history is real is, is quite new and quite novel, yeah. right? So, this is all sort of to make the point that you know now we we look at the Second Amendment and I I I I, um, I refer to the Second Amendment as a judicially immature amendment because if you look at the first Supreme Court case where the Supreme Court re- the first Supreme Court case where the where the courts really checked uh, a state law. And really pushed back and actually started to really establish these bounds was Heller. And that's 2008. So yeah. 220 years from when the Constitution was ratified is the first real case that starts to really test the bounds of the protections of the Second Amendment. Well, and now, that was only because, we gotta, I mean, there were there were plenty of yeah. ordinances and things like that that were, you know, banned the carry of firearms mm-hmm. in uh, in within town properties and things like that and you're, and you're right sure. and never made it that far up well and you had um oh gosh it was uh, 1939 you had usv miller that's the the, the relatively famous uh sawed off shotgun uh yeah. case yeah, yeah um but again you know when you look at like night the the so gist not- of it was like oh he, he'll probably tell you better than i can you go ahead so 1934, you got the National Firearms Act, right? Uh, and this was in direct response to the mafia. And basically, it was the government's way of trying to tax the mafia out of being able to outgun 
the police, right? And the, the general public really didn't put up any stink about it because the mafia was a problem, right? Yeah. And it was relatively targeted. Your average civilian wasn't buying Tommy guns, so they really didn't give a shit, right? Unfortunately. Uh, and it was, it was targeted enough that people really didn't care. There was, like, understand... That really, until like the like 1970s and later, there was no gun rights movement because there didn't need to. Be. Yeah, the general everybody... perception was that they didn't really think there needed to be one. Yeah. So then, in 1938, you get the Federal Firearms Act. This is this is starting to bring stuff into play that we're now more familiar with. So that's that's like where the FFL, the Federal Firearms License, was was created. Right, that still exists today. Um, that's where they started banning, uh, making it so you know felons can't own firearms and and um, people that sell guns have to keep records and stuff. But it was all pretty loosey goosey. Yeah. But in 1939, you have U.S. v. Miller, which was basically the government saying um, they were trying to ban sawed-off shotguns, essentially. Um, and this is where you first start seeing some of the language that's even used today. So this is where they started using the the phrases like reasonable relationship to the preservation of a well-regulated militia. And they were basically like, and, this, and the courts basically said, well, sawed-off shotguns don't have much of a place in a well-regulated militia. So, and that just shows you so sort of that was of the first time they started really interpreting yeah. it and but using they sided, that in order but, to... But they sided with the government. They sided yeah. with the states, yeah. right? And... So it's and the only reason I'm even bringing Those this up is that case actually isn't all that important. It's mostly just that like it gives you a snapshot of like where the courts were at then. Um, so then it's after that it's really not until the '60s that you start to see the sea change, and this is where we have to diverge a little bit. And for both of you and for all of your listeners, I actually really I really highly recommend. Um, there's a great podcast um, called More Perfect. It's all about the Supreme Court and stuff, uh, but they do an episode called The Gun Show. And they give you, um, in my view, a really, really um, thoughtful and entertaining and interesting and informative sort of background of the constitutional nature of the Second Amendment. Um, and they're the ones, you know, frankly, for me, as someone who studies this stuff, that really first opened up the uh, opened up sort of dividing this into chapters, which was that basically until the 60s, nobody gave a shit. And ironically enough, and I, and I suspect that both of you already know this, as do many of your listeners, but some of the first really, really stringent gun control laws were passed by Republicans. Yeah. yeah. And that was in the 1960s. Well, I'm, I'm always harping because, on that. Well, and it's an important thing to remember, right? Like, as we have the conversation in a modern context, the first most, one of the strictest gun control bills that ever got passed on the state level at that time was signed by none other than Ronald fucking yeah. Reagan. Oh yeah. So so and, and I'll give you an example here from uh, from Texas. <clears throat> a lot of people don't know this. You couldn't carry uh, handguns in Texas until 1994, uh, from the Civil War to 1994. No handguns. No yeah, you couldn't wow. carry. Them. Um, and that was uh, that jived in the in the legislatures and the courts in their minds uh, because you know the, the Texas con the Constitution of the state of Texas. Um, in the in the um, the part of it that that lines up with the Second Amendment of the the U.S. Constitution, you know, they say that uh, I forget the exact uh, wording, but it's like you know they can act, they can regulate it with a view to preventing crime. Sure. <clears throat> so what happened was after the Civil War, uh, during Reconstruction, um, as you can imagine, there was still some racism going on, um, and Just so you had 
the lynch stage. mobs running around with rifles and shotguns, and you had um, black individuals trying to defend themselves with concealed handguns. Mm-hmm. So Texas didn't like that. We see where this is going. Yeah. So they they banned yeah. they they did not know if they could get away with saying black people can't carry guns. So what they did was they said nobody can carry handguns. And the sort of alternate revisionist history is is something about how like Confederate officers would carry their handguns and the and the, the Union army didn't like that. It's bullshit. It's they didn't yeah, want no black Union people officers carrying yeah. handguns. <laughs> it's stupid. They didn't want black people carrying guns. And it wasn't until after you know it, and and it's like you said, like nobody gave a shit. Till nineteen ninety four, you know, yeah. it, it 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 was illegal to carry handguns, and you could you could keep them in your car, you could keep them in your house, and that's it. Um, and then there was the Luby's massacre, which is a famous mass shooting, um, and the <clears throat> the then just normal person, and then eventually a career politician, um, Susanna Hupp. Uh, her father and mother were murdered in that massacre, and she escaped out a window. And um, she testified that, you know, she she was going to her car for her handgun. But by the time she got out there, it was too late to save her parents. And, you know, that that testimony and how how she believed that, you know, Texans should be able to defend themselves was was part of uh, liberalizing our gun laws here. But, you know, it it's like you said, you know, it's just um, there were some really onerous and, and really burdensome local regulations that never, nobody ever thought to Contested. challenge them. No, and I'll say it's probably not that nobody ever thought to challenge them, but the people that were probably most uh, burdened by it were not the people that were able to find representation and, and bring, you know, litigation to the Supreme Court. Well, and, and you could also make an argument, too, that, like, this idea of, intentionally challenging a law so that it goes to the goes so that it goes to the Supreme Court is a relatively new thing. Uh, like for example, like if you ever are like feeling particularly patriotic one day and you're like particularly feeling uh, amped about the First Amendment, hug a Jehovah's Witness. Because those motherfuckers have been to the Supreme Court so many times to defend basic liberties of free speech and religious and religious freedom. Oh yeah, I believe so, that. Like so, so many times. And but but to your point, Andrew, like the the Mulford Act, which is this law in California that yeah. banned the, the the you know pub, essentially well, public carry of a, of an. We're familiar of a, with the Mulford Act. We we know all about that. <laughs> They were just like, oh, Black Panthers? No, we can't have these black people carrying guns, right? And Um, and it's a really relevant discussion to what's going on today because the reason that Black Panthers were carrying uh, rifles and shotguns was because they were trying to keep um, unarmed black people from being murdered by cops. They were literally they, so they would so one of the um, actually in the in the in more perfect in the um, their their gun show thing they actually do an interview with I forget his name the guy who he's one of the founders of the Black Panthers and he was actually talking about he's like no we would literally just like post up on the corner and when we'd see a cop pull over uh, you know a, a person of color in their car we would just post up we followed the laws like we knew we needed to be you know I think it was like eighteen to twenty feet away or whatever he's like yeah but it was also like six black dudes with shotguns on their shoulders right and that i mean and 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 so this whole the the mulford act arose because they were doing the exact they were doing literally that they were protesting on the steps of the um california legislature and they literally ran into ronald reagan and all these all these white people got really freaked out because they're like look at these scary black people and their guns yeah 
And it, it really was such a pure expression of, you know, the way that the way that people like Jordan and I conceptualize the, the right to bear arms. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's like you said, it was just so at odds with the way that people thought about guns and gun rights at the time. Well, they it's, weaponized it's like, gun control as a mechanism of white supremacy. Exactly. That's what my, what is that's exactly that, like, that is exactly what we're dealing with now, though, is, is you see the the difference in in uh, rhetoric from armed people of color and anti-gun organizations. Not one hour after this Buffalo shooting, uh, they're they're back on the horse of guns are the primary weapon of choice of white supremacists and that's why we need to get them off the street like how how many straw men can you put into one argument that yeah. is guns are white supremacists are the only ones who use guns like that but that's the perfect example that you know you are <laughs> it's it, 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 it there's such a disconnect between uh I would say like modern gun culture or, or where like the reality of how people yeah, use exactly. and, 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 and need guns. Exactly. That, that the majority of the population isn't even aware of like example before the Mulford act, you know, you, you had black people were gun owners before the Mulford act was passed. Black people were gun owners before the black Panthers were, were going around policing their communities and before they went to the state Capitol, but it, it didn't ruffle the feathers of, of the wrong people. Uh, enough to get yeah attention until they were trying to like, use it to survive. Yeah, and that's yeah. kind of like where we are right now because you know, like we just had in Connecticut with this this attempt to pass um this, this these gun laws uh, from our governor. Um, there, I think we've said this before. You know, these people were genuinely uh, thinking that they were doing the right thing by saying nobody on public transportation should be allowed to own uh, carry a gun, but when you had majorly people who actually ride public transportation pointing at these people saying you're a racist you're a classist for saying this you know it's it's pie and face time you know that's that that it, it goes so against what these people are used to hearing that it's uh it's because it, they don't want to think of yeah. themselves as racist a lot of and, and, and this gets into like the sort of systemic racism uh you know the the way the system was built right a lot of the people perpetuating racist gun control are not themselves inherently brutally racist but the system that they've bought into is racist and classist well and if you i mean if you look at like like one of the things i look at a lot are like um what i call disparate impact right like who are the who are the communities that are being affected the most um without it being sort of made to be that way in like on paper so to speak right so like if you look at like if you look at gun violence in the united states right what communities are hit the hardest, right? They tend to be poor communities. They tend to be minority communities, right? But if you look at sort of the face of the gun control movement, it's white suburban moms, yeah, right? There's a big disconnect yeah. there, which which I'm not I'm not I'm not arguing for a moment that like violence doesn't occur in the suburbs, blah blah blah. But like, but it's <laughs> like, a little I different. Live in, but I like I live in New Haven, right? And yeah. I follow and I and I follow the local news. And I and uh, this past year there was like twenty three, I think, uh, shoot shootings in in New Haven. One of them involved a non-white person, or no, I'm sorry, one of them involved a white person. One, literally one. And so it's, there's just like there's an inherent problem there. And 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 like again, it kind of comes back to this notion of like gun control being weaponized as a mechanism for white supremacy, right? And this and we're not and like we're not done, right? Like so 
to keep our little history lesson going here, then we dive into 1968, the Gun Control Act. So this replaced uh, the FFA, the Federal Fire Firearms Act. And this is where we, they realized a couple different things, some of which I actually agree with. So they actually finally defined uh, what they call destructive devices, which basically just <laughs> yeah. means like you can't, you can't buy grenades and shit, right? Which I don't inherently— Defined fun know, devices. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> right? But this is also, that's also where the, the, the mandate for serial numbers comes from. Oh, by the way, you can buy grenades. You just have to pay a tax. Yeah. Well, and this is this is the first time where they actually defined that stuff. Yeah, right, right. You know, where they actually start to say, like, these are some of the things that we're talking about yeah. here. And, you have to and part it, of it was but... that the some of the prior, oh, wow. you know, if you look at the FFA, like, it was just so fucked. Like, the way that it was written was like a was a was like a a constitutional lawyer's dream because it was just a dumpster fire. It's and almost like somebody what... who didn't know a lot about guns wrote the gun law. Well, as it were, I would actually I would actually push back on that a little bit okay. in that, uh oh, in that in that the well, no, 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 just in that like the the, the Federal Firearms Act uh, and the National Firearms Act were written. So this is what we see now on the state level all the time is like you see an uptick in a certain type of crime and then they try to ban whatever the thing is that's most associated with that. Right. So, oh, there's a couple mass shootings. Boom. Let's do a magazine cap. A mag magazine capacity ban or whatever, yeah. right? Uh, those two, but this is the, this is when we were seeing this at the national level, and it's because the mafia was so fucking powerful that they were like, okay, we're gonna write these two laws basically to try to cut these motherfuckers off, right? But it wasn't until the Gun Control Act that you start to see them start start to clarify the language, and even that was still so fucked up that it wasn't until I gotta get my check my notes here, uh, yeah, ninety four where um, you had those series of laws signed by Clinton, everything from the, you know, that included the assault weapons ban, um, you know, which was buried, which was absolutely, like, it wasn't the main part of the law. It was buried uh, in the, I always, I always pronounce this wrong because it's, it's super, uh, the Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act. And that's where the, the original, like, assault weapon ban, this is 1994, Clinton signed it, assault weapons ban. Um, and, and half the reason they even made that law was to constitutionally clarify a lot of the language from these prior um, federal laws that were so fucked and so ripe for constitutional contention that they knew that if they didn't fix them, just the way that they're written, essentially, right, that they were going to just just be mired in Supreme Court cases. And again, this now on the on our alternate timeline, on our sort of public understanding timeline, you figure. I'm sure you all talk about the NRA quite a bit, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, we love the NRA. Yeah. <laughs> so we know that like pre pre like mid 1970s, yeah, what a, the what NRA, a bunch of great, great and upstanding individuals. Well, and what's what's a <laughs> bummer humble. about it is like if you ever if you ever if you can actually find um, uh, copies of like the American Rifleman from like um, you know the late 40s and 50s, it's like a Playboy magazine for guns. It's actually like pretty dope. <laughs> and yeah. then it was the 1970s where where there was this implosion within the NRA, right? And they went to there was two separate reps. You had the old school dudes that were like, "All right, we're going to turn this into a we're going to become a publishing company, and we're just going to make magazines about guns." And then you had the other part, and this is where um, the Institution for Legislative Action came out of. That's 1975, right? So you saw this um, split within within the NRA, and we know now, obviously, which side won, right? Uh, for and we can we can talk about that part till our we go blue in the face, 
So it's around the same time, you know, like mid-1970s, where like what I would consider to be the modern sort of gun rights movement arose. And it was in response to things like the Mulford Act, right? It was people who were accustomed to kind of being able to do what they wanted when it came to guns uh, and follow, a, you know, depending on your county or, or municipality. Generally speaking, though, like as someone who lives in fucking Connecticut, like damn near no rules, basically. Right, right. I mean, compared to what I experienced, right? Um but what's crazy to think about, though, is, again, like, I just want to think about this in the context of the big timeline, right? Late 1700s, the modern gun rights movement shows up 200 years later, right? And ironically enough, especially in the modern context, it's in, in, it's in the response to a, a variety of primarily re- Republican-sponsored bills that were intended specifically at keeping guns out of the hands of black folks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Which, to, to Jordan's point earlier, like, isn't all that different from from today, right? But well, look at the look at the language that uh, Jordan touched on this too. The the language that right wing uh, pro gun kind of like online activists use versus like left wing, mm. and and this is probably why you know I, a libertarian literal capitalist, am for fu- some fucking inexplicable reason I'm friends with mostly socialists and communists on the internet. You know, because the, the, the leftists, they take a holistic view of gun rights, you know, and they're, they are champions of, of the minority, of, of the oppressed, and they look at gun rights the way that I uh, envision gun rights as a, as a check against the power of the state. An equalizer. And, and, and sure. of, 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 like, social and cultural majorities. Um, and, yeah, an equalizer. And, and you know, I, I think it's really interesting— you know that you talk about this the the, the gun right movement uh sprang forth from these you know these racist kind of uh thumbing down of 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 minority groups by republicans uh and then somehow gun rights became a republican talking point and but now it's you changed, have Mad- and it's different now you have madison fucking cawthorn yeah oh, right God. right and get, it, but it, 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 it is getting the sign at the airport yeah yeah, so, yeah like that's a bad joke. But it, but it, but it's like lost the soul and the purpose of the original gun rights movements, right? Mm. But not on the left. You know, if you if you listen to leftist gun rights guys, it's you know it's well, still got I, a lot of that. I think that I mean, be careful when you say the left because I, I think there's a difference between leftists and For liberals. Sure. Yeah, as, yeah, yeah. As we no, I'm talking about know. I'm talking about I'm talking about like like yeah. far left gun dudes. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, like, and to be like honest, our, like I think uh, our liberal gun owners, right on 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 Reddit, right, like. Right. Yeah. That's th- those are the people that you're talking about where, you know, they're constantly preaching that notion of um an armed minority is a minority that is harder to oppress. Right. Right. Exactly. Like, yes. You know, and, 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 and there's and, and let's be candid, right? There's truth to that. And which is why like when you see so so like in terms of the like where it's where it's looked at sort of constitutionally, right? Again, keep in mind, I just talked about over 200 years of history, no meaningful court cases about uh, beyond the, the ban on sawed-off shotguns, right? Yeah. Um, Which that was some bullshit, then, by the way. I'm still <laughs> mad about it. <laughs> but then in 2008, you've Never got Heller. Forget. And I don't know if any of you have ever listened to an interview with Dick Heller. Um, he's the kind of guy that you want to punch in the face <laughs> from about three breaths in he's an insufferable douchebag now i'm not saying for one second that i disagree with the outcome of that of that of that ruling but i will say like 
actually, again, I, I'm I'm throwing um, more perfect in, into the mix again. They actually do a whole interview with. Are you with, paid by with, with more perfect? Yeah, we're not no. sponsored by More Perfect, by the way. Just it's for no, everybody. This is the know. third time we've brought no, them up. No, we, we we wouldn't be. <laughs> well, no, honestly, they they're that podcast. Um, when that one came out, actually, really kind of shifted the way that I understood a lot of the stuff and really pushed me to dig That's a cool. lot deeper uh, into into. Um, and and honestly, in my constitutional law classes, if I didn't have the episodes of More Perfect to use, my students would shoot me in the face. Uh, or that's maybe a bad. Um, uh, analogy to use, but, um, <laughs> but no, 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 super helpful. But no, they interview Dick Heller and he's the type of guy he's, he was a troll before we knew what trolls were. Um, but part of that, part of what comes with that though, is you have to understand that any of the really big court cases that have gone to the Supreme, any of the big cases that have gone to the Supreme court damn in for the better part of the last 50 years plus are hand picked, right? So like the ACLU doesn't just pick up whoever, whatever schmuck on the street. Right. They pick cases specifically so that, you know, so this person who's having whatever right denied is sympathetic, right, or is easy to sympathize with for a variety of reasons. And what's funny is that when they picked up, uh, when, when Dick Heller uh, ended up getting picked up for, for this particular case to challenge the D.C. handgun ban, um, peop, he was actually generally considered like, no, this guy's a dick. Don't pick this guy. Don't pick this guy. But literally, he was just old enough and just inoffensive enough, sort of on paper, that we then saw, and then again, understand that up until this point, the Second Amendment, they let militia was the lead, right? This notion of uh, a well-organized militia. Again, if you look at if you look at the defense in the um, in the Miller case, the sawed-off shotgun case, they literally are like, well, what the fuck does sawed-off shotguns have to do with a well-regulated militia? Well, obviously, none and, of them have ever been in a militia. <laughs> Come I to the trenches, or they know. I suppose I haven't. I haven't either. Um, but now, but Heller is such a big fucking deal because now they shift. Yeah, they use they use sawed off shot. We, isn't shot that the same thing in the in we the used army? The, I, Didn't it, you learn how we, to use a rocket launcher in the army? Yeah, same we thing. We used. Um, well, I, was, I was a combat. <laughs> I was a combat engineer. We used the Mossberg five hundred. Yeah. For for bre- with breaching loads. Yeah, but you, uh, you, for, a for long boy or, or a little or a little short stubby one. No, it was a long boy. Okay. Long all right. Boy. Okay. Which so I guess, in all fairness, boys. if I'm okay, if I'm blowing, if I'm blowing off a hinge, I don't want to be that close to it. Actually, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Way to that's take a good, a that's a good point. Um, I know nothing not about blowing that, off I mean, hinges, so I'm just gonna take your word for it. The what? I know nothing about that, so I'll just take your word for it. Well, I guess I just I would assume if you were closer, you could just like catch some shrapnel to the face, which I don't. Nah, because they put the they use the 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 that never happens in movies. Uh, I th- I think it I think because um. You know, you put like glasses on, right, to protect your fucking face. So you get, oh, you'll, you you'll get like shit. In Wait, your guys, face. hold on, I forgot my eye pro. Yeah, <laughs> you'll get like stuff in Stand your by. face, right? But I mean, I feel like if you're if you're if like bullets are flying and shit, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's gonna be stuff flying all over the place. I don't know. I feel like we've digressed a little bit. You were, you were making a point, and I think I I think I run us off the rails here. <laughs> no, no, no. All all I'm trying to say, and this is actually the part I'm sort of most excited to dive into you with dive into with you, with the two of you actually, is so this is one of the areas where you know my own perspective and and um, I guess I guess this didn't come come in in sort of the intro, but I'm I'm a uh, a gun owner. I am a gun enthusiast by any. Stretch. I want to talk about this. Um, I also am the director of a summer this. camp for kids, and I teach them how to shoot guns at this camp. Nice. Uh, we have been running a, a 
bolt. It's just you know, it's bolt action twenty twos. But we've been doing that's how it for you start. That's how they got me. Have you ever seen eight year olds try to bump fire a twenty two? <laughs> I have seen them do stupider shit than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, we're terrible at introductions, and I apologize for not bringing that no, up. No, but that's no, no, a no. huge oh, component the, of why. Uh, I just it's 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 important. Like we said in the very beginning, this notion of being able to interrogate one's own beliefs, right? Like, so I don't, I, I include myself in that. I don't let myself off the hook, right? So I, don't and I, you I recognize, either. as you, nor, nor should you, God damn it. Uh, <laughs> that, that like, I understand that some of my views can almost seem kind of contradictory. So here's here's why I want to, here's the thing I sort of I don't think, I, you've said nothing you, contradictory to me. Everything you said makes perfect sense. I, I might be about to be, though. So we're going to see. Here we go. So here's one of the things that I that I sort of stumbled into is like, okay. as fucked up as the Supreme Court can be, right? Um, we we love to pretend that it's not a political entity. It's absolutely a fucking political entity. If presidents get to appoint the get to nominate the people, right? They're obviously going to nominate people that are going to appease their voter base, right? Of course. But that said, in Heller, the Supreme Court. Again, now we've swapped, right? We went from this very narrow view of the, of, of the Constitution to a more expansionist viewpoint of the Constitution. And they extended the language of the Second Amendment to make sure that it truly includes individuals and they extend the right to the individual, which from the perspective of like the modern gun rights movement, frankly, it's the fucking core of it, right? And like the New York case that's going before the Supreme Court as we speak, right? Like that language in that case is probably going to be the single greatest deciding factor in that. Well, yeah. beyond the fact that the conservatives now have a 6-3 majority, but that's beside the fact. But one of the things that I often sort of try to remind some of my more liberal anti-gun friends of is there's sort of two ways to look at this, right? Like, we can, you can fucking hate the Second Amendment. You can think that the Second Amendment sucks. Fine. Got it. I know lots of cops that hate the Fourth and Fifth Amendment, like a motherfucker, right? Uh, and I know lots of shitheads that hate the fucking First Amendment, right? So you can not like the Second Amendment, but it's still currently the law of the land. But that also yep. floats both ways, right? So if I can tell my liberal friends to shut the fuck up, it's the law. You don't have to like it. If you're pissed, look at your states, right? But at the same time, if you look at all the other amendments in the Bill of Rights, every single one of them has a variety of limitations imposed upon them by the courts, right? Uh, back to, to, to Schenck, right? Fire in a crowded theater, right? There are limitations on free speech. There are limitations on the free practice. But wasn't the guy, the guy that said fire and you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, wasn't he one of the guys that was in the minority on that decision? Like uh, you know, he, so 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 understand though. Understand though that when it comes to uh, majority opinions, the the opposing views are also taken very seriously as okay. it relates to like future precedent, right? Because because they they often pave the way for the future arguments, right? Right. Right. And at this point, and at this point, like there, we know that there are concrete limitations on the on the First Amendment. For example, like what came out of Shank ultimately was was uh, the use of language that is specifically designed to incite violence. Right. They drew that line. They said, you can't just say, okay, let's murder, let's get all these people together and hang the governor and just say, hey, fuck it, freedom of speech. Right. 
And that applies across the board, right? And if you go through all of the Bill of Rights, there are limitations. And this is where, and, and if you guys really want to just like get really sad and miserable, we can get into what the differences are between strict scrutiny, intermediate scrutiny, and rational basis, which is these tests that the Supreme Court has created to basically say, okay, this, this right is really fucking important. So if the government's going to do something that's going to fly in the face of it, here's the standard that they need to meet, right? Think of things like public education, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like these are, these are, there are uh, legal tests that exist to determine whether or not that thing is allowed to happen, right? And because the Second Amendment is so uh, judicially immature, I think was the term I used, one of the things that for those of us that are on the on the pro Second Amendment side of side of the argument, have to be prepared for, is that as much as we can tell some some anti gun folks to kind of shut the fuck up, it's it's settled law. Much the same way, there are a lot of folks right now that are looking at what might be happening with Roe v. Wade and going, "Oh fuck, this might get really complicated really quick." Gun rights activists kind of need to be sitting in the same spot. Right, Because what we're going to see with this coming New York case and many, many cases to follow is the uh, scaffolding sort of building out around the Second Amendment from a right. Jewish jurisprudential standpoint, if that makes sense. And yeah. that also means maybe taking some licks that we don't like, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and all I want to sort of and I just want to frame it that way, because I think that's that's a really important perspective to maintain. Which is that? Yes, like we may get some wins here. Like I, I'm very confident that the court is gonna is gonna toss this this New York law in, the, in this pending Supreme Court case, but there's gonna be other stuff that gets upheld, and they and some of them may make perfect sense, even to a gun rights advocate, and some of them may not, and 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 we're gonna see that play out over the next course of the next 10, 20 years. Now, granted, the court's probably gonna have a six-three conservative majority for most of that time. Um, but it might also mean some some losses. Too. Well, but and even with a conservative majority, I mean, I mean, most most justices agree with each other more than they disagree by by like a pretty 100%. wide margin. So 100%. so you know, it, it could be that the that the law if there are losses on the on the gun rights side, it may not have really mattered whether it was uh, you know Democrats or Republicans on there. I mean, y y yes and no. I mean, in this case, it, it matters less about their um, political affiliation in some right. ways than it does their 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 method of constitutional interpretation. Although right. you do find that conservatives tend to err more on the side of originalism, yeah. right? Although, then again, I don't know. I say that, but at the same time... Yeah, then how do you explain Kavanaugh? That fucking guy. Well, actually, if anything, how do you how do you explain John Roberts, right? Yeah, Roberts okay. is Roberts is currently the swing vote on the court, for for all intents and purposes. Yeah, it's very you know, dramatic. Um, it's a very uh, he's a very well, interesting. He, he's uh, got a he's got such a raging hard on for the uh, sort of the vibe, like for the for the respect of the courts. Okay, um, and you so mean hard on he, in that he's sexually aroused by it, not hard on you know like. You know, like he's just like excited by it, right? Like he's actually like both. <laughs> both. If, okay. if, I, I, I would be willing to throw money down right now that John Roberts has absolutely gotten a boner in the court um, for something that was very like constitutionally interesting. One hundred percent. All right, 100%. we're gonna have to institute John Roberts boner cam. Uh, 
for the <laughs> for the foreseeable future. It's the same when when they were when they were I doing. I don't want that. <laughs> you don't, don't want like Robert Cam? I don't like it. <laughs> when they were doing the um, Katanji Brown Jackson's confirmation hearing, and Ted Cruz just couldn't shut the fuck up about uh, about. Oh my god! Um, I know about child child molest or child pornography do and you I was know like, what a woman is <laughs> i just want to be like ted can we just acknowledge that you're getting off right now just saying just thinking about child pornography this whole time you're a <laughs> fucking creepy piece of shit like oh god I like it's not it's uh, bad enough that he's the zodiac killer but he's out here just like <laughs> telling everyone about have you child ever porn? seen have you ever seen the 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 conference that he was doing where somebody was holding up that sign and he <laughs> saw it and acknowledged it <laughs> What did he say? Uh, did he, was is, he, like, he just made no, a face I'm, like, like I, I, I don't know how to describe this face to anyone who can't see us, but it, it just kind of like was it like they got me? It was like, <laughs> oh, come no, on, I'm guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shit. There was some. There's some. I forget which. which re, there was a Republican senator that made some joke about how you know, like, um, basically that like he dislikes Ted Cruz. But that means that he just likes him a lot more than most people in the Senate like Ted Cruz. Because he's just such a, apparently just such an insufferable person to be around. Just uh, by all, which is, I mean, I suppose no surprise to anybody at this point. Yeah. Um, um, but no, so I, I actually, I'm curious about what you guys think. I mean, like, in well, yeah, terms so of this, I, I think... th- th- that give and take. Like, I, I'm curious about what, what you think the gun rights movement has to lose in that regard. Um, and, and also, if you see the courts potentially drawing lines in the sand, where do you see those lines falling? Like, in terms of what are they going to say? No, this is a hard no. Americans can't own Mark 19s. I don't fucking know. Like, I, um, I think it's anybody's that's guess. That's a lot of destructive devices. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. You know, I, I think that it's it's anybody's guess because it's it's like, um, okay, so like what's going to end up in the Supreme Court, right? It's going to be like challenges to uh, state level gun control, right? Because there's really not. And it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be laws in New York, Connecticut, right, California, 100%. and so like in Massachusetts. And so like, what's that going to be? That's going to be can the government? Uh, well, we're can, definitely can, can government officials ban talk? Sorry, go ahead. I I'm sorry, I blatantly interrupted. No, you. you're good. You go ahead. We're de- I think we're definitely going to get one about assault weapons. Yeah, at assault some point or another. Ban. Um, I think uh, I mean mag capacity is a big one, but I I don't think that that has, you know, I think it's going to be tough to get a, a magazine uh, ban to the Supreme Court. But it's definitely one of those things that it's like okay, you know. Anybody who who gives a shit about guns knows that that mag, magazine capacity is uh, it's completely arbitrary, right? Useless. But you know, to a court uh, deciding, you know, does this infringe on your rights? Does this make it difficult to bear arms? Uh, yeah, I don't know what they're going to decide, right? Yeah, well, I will so, say uh, it's, it's going to be pretty interesting. You know, um, yeah. that's a, that's a big one. Um, you know, there's a the there's an aspect of the Firearm Owners Protection Act that really hasn't ever been properly tested. Um, that you know, you can if you're traveling from a place with permissive gun laws to a place another place with permissive gun laws. That uh, as long as you don't like stop, you can travel through a place with restrictive gun laws as long as you don't stop. Um, but that's not uh, nobody's ever. It's just never come up, right? So it's like yeah. we don't know well, if that actually a high enough profile case for that yeah. really yeah. and and nobody would ever nobody like why would you risk that why would you be like oh this <laughs> fucking law that may not actually be 
like enforceable says that I can do this, you know? Yeah. But you know, I mean, my, my, my camp is in uh, New Hampshire, which has like basically no, they're the Texas of, of the Northeast. Uh, they have basically no gun laws and, but I have to drive from Connecticut through Massachusetts yeah. to get there. Right. And yeah, like, do I typically bring, you know, I bring a couple firearms with me when I go, when I go to camp, you know, I bring, uh, yeah. I got this like super teched out 1022 that I bring to let the kids, you know, to let the kids shoot and shit like oh, that. For legal reasons, but, he's joking, by the way, for any yes, cops listening. I'm 100% This is all hypothetical fiction. Yes and no. I mean, although, I, but I, what I had to do was I had to fucking like look up what the transport laws were for all right. the states that I was going to cross the borders for. And I was just like. Oh, this is this is a fucking lot. But to, well, actually, you're going Andrew, north you made... from Connecticut, which isn't terrible. If you go south from Connecticut, you have to be wary <laughs> it gets a little more complicated. bit. Yeah, yeah, don't well, go the... through Jersey. Andrew made a really good point about sort of like what types of laws are going to make it to the courts, right? And I think you're Thank right. You. Like magazine, magazine, magazine capacities, as stupid as they are, and they are actually one of my favorite ones to sort of pick on because they're so fucking useless. Um, but at the same time, it do, it doesn't infringe upon your ownership of the firearm, right? It 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 infringes upon its functionality, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I because there's nothing firearm. in the Second Amendment that says you you have a right for self defense. There's nothing that says you have a right, right. for for effective self defense against. It someone. just says and you have to be able to have it. Own, yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And that that is a good distinction to make because it, it is it's something that while we say it's arbitrary and useless in in the context of preventing deaths during mass shootings it isn't something that's actually protected well okay so it's, i want to i want to jump in here because this is also important and this is something that i wanted to bring up um that uh so a, a lot of people look at the uh, the constitution as something that gives you rights but really what it is is it's a list of things that the government cannot it's a list of it's a list of rights that the government cannot take from you in specific ways, right? You know, it's not like your rights spring forth from this document. It's government, you are not allowed to stop people from doing these things. With the implication being that people have these rights already, and you're just, you know, we're setting up a legal function to, to explicitly protect these rights. Hey everyone, this is an ad for our Patreon, so if you don't feel like listening to it, feel free to fast forward about a minute. But if you like what we do and want to support us, then listen in. Don't you wish every commercial came with that little blurb? So if you're new to the neighborhood, Patreon is a website that allows us to funnel our desire to make this podcast into a shameless cash grab. Kidding. But really, it's just a way for you guys to show us that you support us, that you like what we're doing, you like what we're about, you want us to do more, expand, do bigger and better things like take over Tesla and SpaceX and kidnap Elon Musk. Whatever. The details don't matter. But... In return for your support, we have multiple tiers available with some sweet perks ranging from stickers to discount codes to shirts and a lot of other things that are exclusive only to our Patreon. Your contributions will help us offset some of the costs of running this podcast, as well as keeping me fully stocked with spiked coffee beverages for those late night recording sessions and fueling Andrew's unhealthy thirst for revenge against Wooby's shoes. He's building a mech robot in his garage. It's a little weird. I think he's planning to do something strange with it. But anyway, if any of this tickles your fancy, then please go to the link in our Instagram bio or patreon.com slash a better way to a to check it out or don't. But it would be cooler if you did. Anyway, back to the show. Enjoy. So, you know, in that sense, and that, that's what I believe. And in that sense, you know, I do believe people have a right to self-defense, whether the Constitution protects it or not. Yeah. Um, and so well, I that's... do believe people have a right to access, uh, you know, standard and high capacity magazines. Um, yeah. 
And even if the Second Amendment was struck from the Constitution tomorrow, I would still believe people have the right to bear arms as human beings. Well, but that's different than it being constitutionally. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I I think that that you 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 have a right as a human, dependent, regardless of where you live, right, uh, to be able to defend yourself and your family and your well-being. Extend that to your whatever you want. Your your yeah. Any, anything. I mean, it, it, there's there's a gray area you get to when you start saying your property and things like right. that. But you know, you you and I were talking about the other day, like our dogs. You know, my my dog is my family member, and I've had I've had nightmares about having to defend uh, my dog against like wild animals and like people and you know bad people and things yeah. like that. But the law your dog is your considered property. Yeah, your dog is your property. And so it's and like if I, a cop comes and like shoots your dog. That's a taking by the state. That's not a, a murder of exactly. your family member. It's not a murder. No, and that's and that that to me is is you know if you're going to argue because I don't I don't agree. You know I I think in in a perfect society, staying your ground laws are a good thing, but we don't live in a perfect society and people take advantage of them. Um, I I think if somebody I think the assumption can be made that if somebody uh, crosses certain thresholds that they are, um. That 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 they are uh, willing to do harm to you, and that it, by that assumption uh, being made, you you are able to take your own your take right. so then, actions but we're to defend about, your life. But we're talking about rights and we're talking about common sense. But then you get yes. to the Constitution. It's like there's nothing in the Constitution that says you no, can kill exactly. somebody to protect and that's, yourself. No, it, exactly, and, and, and that's and that's again the, that's they, the problem. And like well, in not, this, I mean, you know, well, no, I problem. mean, like in the Bill of Rights, they're specifically. <laughs> yeah. they're, but the it shouldn't have to be in the exist. Constitution. It's it's a natural right, I think. Well, what, what, well, were you, what were you saying, James? Sorry, James. Well, no, no, no. All I was going to say is that, like, this is the part where we need to recognize, like, the limitations of the Bill of Rights, right? Like, the, the, the Bill of Rights was intended specifically to create guardrails for government overreach. Yeah. It's not to – it's not and, – and, and if and – if, you know, um, and so we it's not, can talk it's not about, like we want every single human right to be in the Constitution, you know, it, it shouldn't well, like, have to equally be that so, way. I think that healthcare should be a human right. You know, I believe in my core, right? Like that's something that I I believe. And if I could, if I could legislate that, I absolutely would. But I can't. You know, at least not in this context. Not until I run for office. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but like in, in terms of what we're talking, in terms of what we're talking about here, like. One of the things that I think it's really important to understand is both like how the Supreme Court and the Constitution works and also specifically like what its limitations are. Because fuck, if COVID showed us anything, it's how completely uh, misunderstood a lot of these basic protections are, right? By, by yeah. just like the, yeah. the, the masses, if you will, right? Like when some asshole walks into a fucking McDonald's, is like, you can't ask me about the vaccinations. And you're like, you have no fucking idea what you're talking about, right? Yeah. And I can agree with certain parts of that. Like, you violated my HIPAA. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Whereas if you fucking Googled HIPAA, you dumb idiot, you'd fucking know what that fucking means. But yeah. and, and, but it, and it goes the same with the Second, Second Amendment. Actually, frankly, one of my biggest frustrations with some of this um, and one of the, actually, and it's funny, Jordan, Jordan and I have talked about this a few times where I, I, I keep bringing like more and more of my liberal friends to the range more, both because I want These to are things expose we need them to, talk to about, it, by the way. but also because I have a really hard time finding people that I can bring to the range who already have strong views about guns in the positive because they do the fetishization bullshit they show up all fucking tactical out, and it's more about like looking cool than it is about like. Does that make sense? Like, I, so it's one, 
It's it's one yeah, of the no, things I, I just I struggle with it sometimes because like when I fucking roll up and the dude's got his big like protected by Glock sticker on his fucking truck. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just on, a Rodney man. sticker. Like, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, and like I just don't. So what do you? So when we're talking about like tactical shit, like are you talking about like useful kit or are you talking about like mall mm-hmm. ninja stuff? Yeah, because I no, I'd no, be no. curious to to know what like because uh, I know a like lot I of people a... that that practice with like like plate carriers, plate carriers and, and, and like extra mags and no, stuff. No, 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 but... no. I'm talking about the guys who are way more interested in in uh, living out and acting out some fucking John Wick fantasy. Yeah, yeah, than they for sure. Are if, if, if that makes sense, like and, lifestyle and that, gun guys, you know, like and uh, I know and I know that that puts me in a position of being aesthetic kind of a black rifle, rifle coffee company hat. Oh yeah, guys. Yes, exactly. And the fucking what's the what's the other one? Uh, the um, nine line. I see the nine, nine line, line shit. Nine line Yeah. Which fucking like, whatever. <laughs> I had a nine I line mean, shirt once. It's just it's one of those. We've all been there. One of the things I yeah, find is that it's okay. it's it's it serves as an impediment for someone like me who, like, when I bring, you know, a friend it's, of mine out shooting who's never been out shooting. It's people that are not um, already like invested in that in that culture. Hundred percent. Right? Well, 100%. And Jordan example. and I have actually talked a bunch about ranges and stuff. And, like, it took me a while to finally found a, find a range where um, I can bring anybody. Yeah. And they're, you know what I mean? And they're going to, they're not going to feel unwelcome, right? Yeah. And it, it allows me to, like, we were talking earlier about, like, the way political conversations turn are so conflict centric, right? And I'm a firm believer, and frankly, there's a shitload of research that backs this notion that, like, you're never gonna change somebody's mind by owning them by yeah. being like, it's not, no. it's not called a clip, it's called a magazine. You know, like that's never <laughs> gonna, that's never gonna bring somebody over. Yeah. You lead with empathy and, yeah. and finding common, taking the time to find common ground, right? And like, I, I think there's time like, for arguments, right? Where if you're oh, sure. if you're facing someone who's already commi- like committed to be in opposition of, of your viewpoint, then you sure. can use that as an opportunity to sort of like hone your own opinions, right? Sure. So then then it's if about you're talking allowing that criticism of your opinion, and you can sort of build your arguments against that. But if you mm-hmm. really are trying to change someone's mind, you can't you can't start with an argument. No. Well, and we harp on this all the time. Like it is it like I feel like I'm bashing my head against the wall with this topic because. So many people on on the you know I, I'm tired of being called a centrist because I because I apply the same standards to everybody but <laughs> it's, it's it's turning into You're an insult. It's just centrist, like God, Jordan. because I call people out on my own side like I do the opposition. It's like God forbid I uh, I hold my own side accountable. Um, there are uh, and and by my own side I have no clue who I'm talking about. Um, I, I was going to say, I have no idea who the fuck you're talking about either. Yeah, yeah, I still have yet to figure that out. Uh, Firefighters? I, I don't know. I, I, don't I think know. I'm a leftist, and then they, they gross me out, and then I, I... Well, I never think I'm a conservative, but but I uh, I don't know where I stand. <laughs> I think I, uh, I, I, anyway. I read you as, like, generally liberal in, like, a modern sense. I, as know? soon as you say liberal, I think of moms demand action. And so I... <laughs> right, I, but, I know you don't mean it like that, yeah, but no. it's hard for me to understand. It's hard, yeah. Anyway... What I was saying is, is there's a, like what you were saying, James, if you, I've, I've, I know I've mentioned this before, approach every argument with empathy, with, with, with the assumption that the person you're talking to means well, that they, that they have the best intent yeah. and that they're not okay. just an asshole for the sake of being an asshole. And it shapes your conversation in a way that allows you to actually get through to the person and for you to also understand where they're coming from. Because mm-hmm. we don't 
there are so many people who are so quick to judge somebody based on something they say and something they do without realizing why they do that or why they say that because they've yeah. been screamed at by somebody who looks, talks, or or you know acts like you sure. before, and this is a reaction to that before you even have that conversation. You know, perfect example is is you know you had uh, these these Trump flag parades uh, over over the course of the last couple of years. Um, you. <laughs> say what you want about uh, about Trump or whatever but the the people who who were participating in these parades were like a very specific kind of person who were fully hoping that somebody was going to quote unquote start something or like yeah. Yeah, you know yeah. get triggered or something yeah. like that mm. and and you know I uh <laughs> I I forget which sticker it was, but one of, one of my friends had a uh, had a had a political sticker. I, oh, you know what it was? It was the uh, any functioning adult twenty twenty sticker on the back of their car. Not oh, even man. like no, I not feel that's dis- a just dissing now, everybody. That's that's like an equal opportunity hater yeah. sticker. I love it. And uh, this guy had his two kids in the back of his Jeep, windows down, and this Trump parade goes by. And this isn't you know speaking of everybody, but this particular group of people felt it was appropriate one of them noticed his sticker at a stoplight and felt it was appropriate to scream profanities at him with his kids in the car and like that to me is just but that was a response from that person based on the reactions they've gotten from people who are opposed to them throughout the history of their their beliefs so if you th- if you think about it, it it takes a while and it's not an easy thing to do but what we have to do is and this might be idealistic of me is uh, in the in the same way that we try to have this gun conversation with people who disagree with us, um, we need to have that conversation in a from that standpoint and uh, with everything, um, because oh. there's what was that, James? No, no, I was going to say. I mean, a hundred percent. It's 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 whether you're talking about healthcare. It doesn't it doesn't matter what. Yeah, it is. any like anything. If you you know, and it's. But it is hard, though, it, and I'll acknowledge, though, it's really hard to know the line. You know, like I, I've run into situations with, with some of my students where I'll give you a good example. Um, my one of so my uh, intro to American government course, um, my students at the end of the semester, they have to write this like persuasive essay. And, and essentially what they have to do is they have to identify a problem. They have to prove first and foremost that the problem is real. And then they have to say address what the government's doing about it whether it's working or not, and then provide three policy solutions that would be, um, that would hopefully fix it, right? And, oh, and it's really often, cool. and it's things like, and it, and, it, and I hit on a lot of the same stuff. It ends up being a lot, they get to pick whatever it is. I let them pick, it can be fucking anything, but they have to prove that it's a problem, right. uh, which that's actually the thing that fucks a lot of them up. Yeah. So I had, Cause so it's I had like, a student. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's a, it's a problem, right? Well, or just, not just, not even just people not liking it, but also like, They've you see people that have been fed propaganda, where they're like, oh, this is oh, did you know that the biggest problem is like abuse of the the food stamp system, and then you actually order fraud, and then I make them prove that it's a real thing, and then they go, they come to me two weeks later, and they're like, you know, hey, this is weird. I haven't been able to find any recent good sources that prove that, you know, WIC is 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 wrought with fraud, and I'm like, yeah, because it's. 
fucking not. Yeah. Like, that's, 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 that's why, why do you think I make you prove yeah. it? Like, it's the same with like going to the doctor's office, right? I'm not going to let you cut me open for a fucking surgery that I don't need, you know? And, but I had this student who was actually, it was about Jacob. the wick thing. And he, <laughs> he, he worked at a, a, his like high school job was that he worked at a, a grocery store. And he became convinced for a variety of reasons, some of which I would argue have roots in racism, that uh, the food stamp, which no food stamps no longer exist. It's, it's you know, WIC and a variety of other programs. But um, that it was, like, wildly abused, that it was wrought with fraud, that it's an awful program, that the government is, spend, is wasting tens of billions, of hundreds of billions of dollars, and it's just people, like, going home and just, like, fucking making it rain with their fucking WIC debit card or whatever. with their basic staple foods <laughs> that <laughs> m- most of the time is not even enough look at because this they make too much money bread. but are still under the poverty he line didn't earn that and he he ends up and actually no i was actually really proud of this because he ended up coming to me a couple weeks later and being like you know all this data that i'm finding is actually saying that like food banks are actually like a really effective mechanism for Dude, like food, reducing fuck, food insecurity yeah. and like, you know, and like, and he was like, yeah. So then his, his paper was supposed to be, we got to get all these poor people off of WIC and it translate and ended up turning into actually the federal government should dump a shitload more money into this and start spending. Cause there was, he had found this program where um, the federal government, so farmers who were having a hard time selling their crops at market rate prices, uh, the department of agriculture created this program where they would pay them a market rate price for their produce. And they would essentially buy it for food banks. Cause one of the things that food banks are known for being sort of often like woefully deficient of like, uh, fresh produce uh-huh. um, so these farmers were getting like a fair price for their produce and then people that were going to the food bank were getting like fresh produce it was like sort of a win-win and he was like yeah he's like we actually need to like quintuple the budget for this and whatever and I was like look at you you like slowed the fuck down <laughs> look at you you, you in, gem you, in, you interrogated your own perspective you found reputable resources that gave you r- r- solid information and you actually opened yourself up to having your viewpoint changed and now you also seem like a lot less of an asshole, you know, yeah. like, and, and, but that, that happens so rarely. I mean, I, I tell that story all the time because it's one of a million, you know, of, of, yeah. you know, people are so rigid in their beliefs. And again, we get back to that whole, that fucking echo chamber bullshit, right? Like where mm-hmm. it's so easy to be rigid in your beliefs because you don't have any meaningful reason to change them, right? You so most people surround themselves with people that echo the same sentiments and if they don't you find them online or wherever right and it just yeah. turns into this giant circle jerk where you never actually have to ask whether or not you're actually right or not or, well a lot of it is if it's complicated like yeah, yeah. a lot of it is like you said the people you surround yourself with i mean <clears throat> I, I i don't you could speak for you know when we first met and for uh those of you listening i think i've known james for what like maybe six years now something like that gosh um well, when I, when I've, I've, I've been with Liz for 10, so closer to 10 oh, years. Actually, no, yeah, you're right, 10 years. Oh, God. That's we were like in our We were like in our 20s and stuff, too. Dang, yeah, dude. I was in my 20s two years ago. Was that like 50 years ago? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, I just guess I'm the one the same age. <laughs> well, think about the stuff that I used to believe in 10 years ago. Think about the stuff that I used to come at you with, and and you know. Do you, do you remember when I told you that I told you to your face that I thought you were just a liberal that didn't figure it out yet? Yes. <laughs> I will never forget that. I I was like argue. I don't even remember what I was arguing, but it was like, 
it was like a sheep and wolves or wolf and wolf and sheep's clothing kind of thing. I was arguing something, but it sounded like I was saying it in a way that I don't know. It was what I'm saying is is you you cool probably story. won. Yeah, thank you. thanks guys. Um, <laughs> you know, people need. You were probably one of the farthest opposite of what I I believed at the time. Uh, uh, people in my life that that uh, that was very eloquent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's eleven thirty at night. Um, yeah. I didn't have uh... friends as liberal as you were, so bouncing my ideas off of you really helped me. And, and, and by bouncing them off of you, kind of taking them and remolding them in my own head and, and, and reanalyzing them on my own really, really helped me, uh, one, figure out what I wasn't, what I didn't have strong convictions in. And, and, uh, because, you know, as soon as I was, uh, exposed to new information, it made me reconsider certain things. Uh, so but, let me ask you then, what, what was it? Why are you the those... way you are? <laughs> Well, what, 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 what is it? What was it about those interactions that allowed you to, because I think this is really, well, and this is, this is exactly like, what you were talking about before you being somebody who didn't jump down my throat and call me a fucking idiot for believing what I believed in, but asking me why I believed what I believed and then having an answer for me or explaining the things that, that made you believe that I was wrong or that I may not have all the information, things like that. Like, you know, telling a telling a kid when they when they get a math problem wrong uh, that no, you should try this next time and you'll get the right answer instead of saying you know you're a fucking idiot. You'll never <laughs> match anything, Andrew. Five. Stupid. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. No, no. But to to bring it back around though to what we were talking about, you know, bringing rolling up um, with a carload of liberals at the shooting range trying to get them into guns. Uh, you know, if they all walk in the gun store and they see like fucking racist uh, jokes uh, about Obama, you know, printed out from the internet, and taped mm-hmm, up on the yeah. walls, you know, a big fucking, fucking uh, MAGA, big MAGA yeah. flag or whatever. Yeah. You know, there was a there was a range here in town that you know it's it's changed ownership, but uh, it was notorious for having a um, conspicuously displayed uh, Nazi flag hanging in a back room but where you could yeah. see it from a door from a certain perspective yeah uh you know oh, it was a collectible yeah it's, yeah, it's just a collectible and you know it, it's one of those things that it's like it's tough when you're in that position when you show up to be like hey why do you have a nazi flag back there yeah. so you either leave or you just kind of swallow your pride and just deal with it right um but it makes it very difficult for you to be like hey not all gun owners are you know fascist evil uh racist <laughs> And then you show up at the gun range and there's a fucking Nazi flag there. It's like, oh, oops, sorry. Yeah. Some well, of them are. Uh, like, these, guys. these guys are. Yeah, these these guys but guys everyone are. else is good. Yeah. So give them your money. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but but yeah, so so it's it's like you know, um as gun people, we want to find and create spaces that aren't going to immediately make left of center people feel like they're in a fight as soon as they show up. Yeah, well, and, and let them find their own sort of path within it, right? Like, because not everybody is, is going to engage with gun culture in the same ways, right? Like, I grew up with it, so I have, and then I was in the military, so I feel comfortable around whatever. That doesn't mean that has to be the way for everybody. I was recently, um, I took a, um, um, a, a friend of my wife's to the, to the range, and 
um, she had she had worked at camp with me and had shot some 22s and was kind of into it. And she was like, I, I'm cur- like, show me more. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh, so I brought her to the range and we did what I call a buffet day. And we did everything. We were um, from fucking fucking around with my 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 thirty thirty to some five five six to some you know to some pistols whatever, and she was having. Not only was she like genuinely enjoying herself, but she's also um, a single woman who lives alone. And through some of those conversations, started to see some of the implications there. And I, I don't think she's gonna go out and um, you know get her concealed carry permit necessarily, um, but. I think she started to see, like the. At least you planted that seed. Well, like the practicality, though the practicality of like she had actually talked about like an ex boyfriend who had been being a little aggressive with some language and like right and and how she was like oh like you know and I even remember one evening she was like oh would you mind like could I come over tonight I'm feeling a little uncomfortable, and and you know through some of those conversations she even got as far as to say you know. I hate feeling like I need to leave my own home to be safe. Yeah. I would have felt a lot better if I knew that I had a way to protect myself. Yeah. Well, know? and that's another, that's another road to go and down that's also. that's very pragmatic. That's an apolitical it is. argument. It is. Yeah. That is pragmatism at its finest. Like, she could get pepper spray or whatever, but we all know pepper spray in a closed space, right? Like, it's, it's just yeah. one of those, like... Well, and a pepper spray is, like, one point on, like, a like a, like a force... Um, mm. yes, what, right. what do they call it? If you're it? a gun what owner, the, by the, the way, and you don't... It? You know, the uh, force continuum, levels of right? force, yeah. Um, if you're a gun owner, by the way, and don't own pepper spray, you're wrong. Because <laughs> not every not every violent encounter should have to be, have a lethal means to an end. Yeah, for and sure. Especially if you're in a state without a uh, castle doctrine or without a, um, oh, God, what's it called? Stand your ground law. Stand your ground, yeah. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Either way, Well, like, Connecticut, around. you know, like, you got... I, I've had I've had situations with road rage before where people have gotten out of their cars and approached my car before, and, and I've thought to my head, man, if I shot this guy right now, which you can do in many states, uh, I'd go to jail for a very long time. 100%. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've ever been maced, but it, it sucks. Um, it does suck. And if you do mace somebody, they usually will fuck off. Well, okay, but so. but I will also say that, um, you know, so so it's like mace is something that you want to use if uh, a situation is a little sketchy, but you don't feel like your life is in danger, Correct. right? But so if we're talking about the context of defending your home, oh um, yeah, no, no mace, especially in the, especially if you're anticipating an ex boyfriend invading your home to do you harm. You know, it, you, it might make sense to skip yeah. to the gun because you don't. I, I can't think of a situation where somebody would come into your home and you'd be like, you'd want to mace them before you shoot them. I, I well, and, th- and not to mention that in a closed space. Yeah, you're, yeah. exactly. You're, you're, you're fucking. I thought what you were saying was like a, a boyfriend that she actively lived with, and, and that, no, you know, no, no, it yeah. was, no, it was, <laughs> yeah. that no. would be super weird. Well, I was gonna say, unfortunately, no. you know, there there are there are statistics that that. Unfortunately, yeah, showed not, probably, not in the favor probably leaving of uh, first and domestic then abuse gun. victims with guns and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, yeah, leaving and and well, that's the argument against wait periods and and things like that for uh, in some of these states. You know, the states that make you wait two weeks to get a pistol permit. There yeah. was a woman, I think, in New Jersey who was killed while she was waiting for her pistol. Yeah. Well, um, and that's that's one of the ones that where when we you know to sort of tie it back into some of the constitutional stuff we were talking about where. One of the things, you know, again, coming back to this notion of of um, the Second Amendment being jurisprudentially immature, right? 
Um, one of the things that we're going to start to see sort of get fleshed out over the next few years, may, I mean, potentially quite literally over the next few years, but really over the next decade or so, but like how those types of concepts are applied, right? So something like a waiting period, right? The way that that would be reviewed, that would be looked at by the Supreme Court is the Supreme Court would probably use... The rat would probably use rational basis. The test of which is the plaintiff must prove that the law is not rationally uh, related to a legitimate government interest. So in a situation like that, where there's actually a good bit of data when it comes to wait periods, um, that um, it does reduce instances of gun-related domestic violence and suicide, right? So one of the, the way that the courts would look at it was go would go, okay, is the data that supports the effectiveness of a measure like this, does it outweigh the way in which it is imposing upon that uh, constitutional right? Does that make sense? And, and just to be clear, I'm not advocating for that. I'm just saying like that's how it would be that's how it would be weighed. And they would so so anything from an assault weapon ban to um, you know, a lot of, st most states now actually have some form of, um, like if you have a minor in the home, you have to keep your firearm secured, right? Like yep. yeah. things like Connecticut that. Connecticut passed that um, also. Again, things that would, you know, for most folks are like obvious, right? Like they're, they're, they're common sense type, type laws. But when, but actually, you know what, actually the, the waiting period is a perfect example of the type of thing that would, that could go to the Supreme Court. Because you could absolutely make an argument that it infringes very directly upon your ability to, yeah have a firearm because it's literally limiting the time frame in which you can have it. And to Jordan's point, yeah, it could be that situation where it's that person who, you know, ends up getting murdered by their husband or whatever. But alternatively, there is a reasonable argument to be made that, you know, for those people who are having suicidal ideations, you know, for those persons who are in the heat of the moment, they're pissed at their spouse, right? Like, uh, and there is research that, that, that backs that notion that you, th there's an argument to be made there. Again, I'm not saying that I agree with it, but th those are the types of right, things. But that it's the kind of thing that you argued. don't know for sure that the Supreme Court is gonna is gonna back the gun right side, even with a conservative 100%, majority. One hundred percent. But those yeah. are the types of cases yeah. that will absolutely land before the court. Particularly, yeah. I would argue, if this New York case ends up going at the um, going against the state of New York, I think you're actually gonna see uh, a significant uptick in cases being brought before the court, specifically yeah. to challenge. Again, it's not going to be magazine bans. It's going to be, Jordan and I were actually talking recently uh, about a firearm that I was trying to purchase that is actually, one version of it is specifically named as banned in the state of Connecticut, but I happen to be able to get the version that that, that wasn't. But I had to do a lot of research, <laughs> research in that yeah. regard. But, but it's one of those like, okay, what about specific firearm bans, right? What about... Um, well, I think, uh, I think wait periods. What about yeah? Um, hell, actually, I mean, one of the things they're looking at right now are in in a, there are a number of states, uh, Florida being one, for example, that recently repealed. Uh, well, it was through a referendum, but um, felons weren't able to vote in Florida. Yeah, you have to like apply to be able to vote again. Um, I oh, could, now they can. Well, it was done by a referendum. It was a it was a referendum. Mm. Uh, yeah. So the citizens of the state of Florida voted that felons after, after i think it was after a certain set period of time yeah. get their voting rights back is but that violent felons also or just non-violent felons felons across the board oh wow um and y y there's absolutely a constitutional case to be made that like well yeah i committed a crime i went to jail i did my time 
why should I have my constitutional mm-hmm. rights limited when I get out? And it's also right? considering That's... too that that the number of 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 convictions that will make you a felon now is so much larger. Yeah. Than it was when they decided that felons couldn't vote and felons couldn't own guns. Because it used to be that a felony, you know, a felony used to, and you might correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I believe it used to be a felony was was something, was like a capital crime. It was like a. A a felony just means that it needs to be a federal crime. Oh, okay. This needs to be a federal, yeah, that's, that's, that's really the different, the the primary differentiation. There's no, Uh, there's no like, like the state can't charge you with a felony? So you, well, they can, you can get both at the same time. Okay. If that makes sense. All right. Um. But, but yeah, no, but, I mean, but, no, but I, felonies used I, to like, be very again, serious, like, not, though. Like felonies used like, to I'm be not. like, uh, you know, you, you've you've hurt somebody, you've you've destroyed something. You know, now well, it and, can be like, you know, you lied on a form. And if you had a case, if you had a case where, you know, if you had a law in the books where it was, let's say, like, I would be, I'll say this, I would be, I think, if it was narrowly tailored, largely on board for violent felons to have limitations on the guns on on being able to purchase firearms right. after they get out right i could be like i could be okay with a version of that a or at least like scrutiny right you know a version of strict like you can't be on probation uh you know you would have to you know finish pro- yeah. whatever the, right but like the way we have it now is you have this blanket ban if you're right. and if that's you such horseshit convicted felon you can't right and and i would argue like well, then what's the fucking point of going to jail if you're just going to be fucked for the rest of your life? Yeah. And, well, and, and let's and, be real. You know, for most people you getting out of that, jail, owning a gun isn't their first, isn't their first priority. But, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but you say that, but some people do feel that way. And that is that is how you get some very violent yeah. encounters uh, between police and criminals is because, you know, they know that, that they there's nothing. Sheet. Yeah. Well, there's I think about it like this. Go to jail. In, you know, like I have a, without saying who it is, I have a very close family member who's a felon, um, not a nonviolent felon. And today I was uh, helping him fill out an application for uh, an apartment. Yeah. And um, he was concerned that they were going to ask if he was a felon. And I said, no, I don't think they ask you that. I think they ask if you're a violent felon because there's a difference. And, and lo and behold, they ask, you know. Have you? Do you have any felonies uh, that are related to assault, sex, sex crimes, uh, anything like that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also goes on to clarify that are not resolved at this time, mm-hmm. um, meaning you didn't serve time or you haven't finished your court case or anything like that. So um, I, I think the same can be applied to guns because I, I think personally, I think if once you've done your time, you've done your punishment. Yeah, I agree. And, and your rights should be restored. Um, well, violent or not, because I I I think that you, it, it it's punitive for for you to. That's why you go to prison. And once you're done with prison, once you're done with the the punishment that was determined to be appropriate for you, you should have no more punishments. You don't get grounded as a kid, and then once you're done being grounded, you're you're restricted meals for a week or something like that. That's I really liked well, actually. You know. I think it was last year. State of Connecticut <laughs> made it be. so you're not allowed to ask about felonies on uh, employment applications anymore. Yeah, that's good. I I think that's really neat, uh, personally. Which I think it's so funny. I mean, Connecticut gets it wrong so way more often than they get it right. But every now and again, I see something like that. I'm like, where it gives me a little hope, and I'm like, oh, good, 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 good. Yeah, yeah. you're actually because because well, Lord knows. I mean, you know, having a record and trying to get a decent job is damn near impossible yeah. right like 
Uh, actually, I'm curious. <coughs> what are what are what's what's I'm going to swap this around. I'm going to interview you guys for a second. Oh, what? Well, this is something I've been thinking about a lot. Is uh, the the death penalty? Yeah. What's the question? Yay or nay? Yes, that's a thing. (laughs) It exists and it shouldn't. The state. I do not think the state should be putting prisoners to death. Yeah, I uh, even regardless of whether or not. um, So the big argument is like the state gets it wrong and wrongly convicts people and that shouldn't put to death wrongly convicted people. Well, I think that's sort of a half an argument, right? You know, I don't think the state should be killing people at all, uh, you know, in in that sense. You know, it, it makes sense for the state to be ready for violence, right? You know, cops have guns, soldiers have guns. You know, I, I get that, but to to have somebody in a cage and be like, you know, in a week I'm going to fucking poison you to death. You know, I, I don't think the state should be doing that. Well, to play devil's advocate to that, because I, while I do agree with you, then should the state have any role in punishment whatsoever if if it's not going to have a role in capital punishment? Well, like, I where's think that, the line drawn? Well, then that sort of depends on what you think the, the purpose of the criminal justice system should be. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, should it? Well, be yeah. If you to... think if it's if it's supposed to be rehabilitative, then then well, killing I, somebody is not. I think. <laughs> I think the number one. I think. I think historically, the number one role of 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 any criminal justice system is to mitigate the the damage that crimes do, the crimes and criminals do to society at large. Um, and I think that the idea of rehabilitating people as a way of mitigating that damage is relatively new. I agree too. Yeah, well, because yeah, exactly. Because up until I don't, I don't know when exactly, but I mean, ask your parents or ask your parents' friends if your parents are fairly pro- progressive. You know, there are still some people who who think that we should just you commit certain crimes, you should be locked up forever. Just the yeah. longer you're kept off the street, the better. And we'll also complain about people taking taking advantage of social systems and being a drain on the state and, and yeah. the federal government at the yeah. same time. But. It's just it's it's one I find I find there's an interesting intersection often between like um, I, Andrew you actually summarized my own viewpoint on the death penalty perfectly well, there in you terms go. of like I don't think that the government is fucking qualified yeah uh, since ni- since 1970 over 10 percent of all the people uh, given the death penalty in the United States were later proven to be not guilty yeah that's crazy and that's insane. And like, the, the, for their fucking lives. Like, yeah. And if they were wrong, it's their fucking Can you imagine lives. if that percentage was the same for like cancer diagnoses or like, yeah, like you would uh, be like any anything? You would be I mean, sued into oblivion in yeah. almost any context. Yeah, but you can't like, sue the it's, government it's, for that. They won't let you. Not do for it. that. Not for that. Yeah, not, not for that. Not for that. But you Although can do one thing I actually thought was I thought was really interesting, here. the it's funny when I was doing some prep for for our, our conversation today, I was looking at the uh, the 2005 the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act. So that's the one that basically says that like, um, uh, think like the Sandy Hook situation where right. you know the, the 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 parents are trying to sue. Uh, I forget which. Remington. Part. Is it Remington? Is it Remington? Yeah. Um, and they basically marketing their guns to babies. You basically can't do that. But there's an there's a secondary part there. Well, they that want to get rid of that. Very protection. interesting, which is that. Um, but that said, if if uh, I don't know, I buy a fucking I don't know an AR-15 from whoever, 
and it's uh, got a manufacturing defect. And because of that manufacturing de- defect, that you know, round of five five six fucking blows up in the chamber uh-huh. and fucks me up. I can sue them for that. Yeah, exactly. I can su- I can sue the shit out of them for that. Well, so and it's the, the same reason thing. you can sue Ford for for some. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's the same reason people yeah, sue get, Ford yeah. for the Pinto, yeah, air, and you can't sue some, Ford for killing somebody by running them over. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, and the, the the whole protection of lawful commerce. Act, pe- people act like it's this political thing to protect the gun industry, but really, it's to save time in the court systems and to save people a lot of money in litigating uh, courses. Mm-hmm. You know, well, cases that to, are not going to be won. Yeah, and 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 people don't realize the precedent it would create if you said, okay, now we're going to allow you to sue gun manufacturers for any liable damages done with their product. Like that opens the floodgates to literally everything else, right? Well, but it's not even so much that it's that it's like if you can imagine without that law, and you could sue you could sue Remington for somebody being killed with a Remington rifle. You know, if anybody could bring one of those lawsuits, like that's Remington would be spending most of the money that they make trying to defend themselves and getting these cases thrown out, and they would they would get a lot of them thrown out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they would be unfairly uh, spending a lot of money on court fees and lawyers. Yeah. Well, and, and that and that part just doesn't make sense. And that's, I mean, and unfortunately, this is where I see some of that, like, when I try to make headway with some of my friends who are of, who, who, who would probably espouse that exact argument. Like, well, the, the, the opposite of that argument, I suppose. Yeah. Um, is that like when we when you sort of dive into it and you're like, okay, how do I get them to a place where they realize that that doesn't make any sense? And and analogies only go so far. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. and even the good ones, especially if you're really bad at analogies. Yeah. And I'm a teacher, so I'm really My fucking good at I analogies. Oh, I kind of okay, have. To. It's 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 part of it's par for the course, I think, uh, for for the most part. Um, but it's. I would say that the two biggest things I run into are people who are just downright terrified of firearms. They have been so, they have been subject to so much, uh, we can call it propaganda, whatever you want to call it. I actually, I had a, um, a few years ago, I had a few friends up to the camp and we've got a beautiful little, uh, 22 range up there. And, uh, I was, there's about four or five of them that had never fired a gun before. And I was like, this is the perfect thing. I, got, I had a little Ruger 1022s, perfect. Um, and I was like, you know, I, I, I put some plinkers up and we'll fucking, you know, pop some targets. And, and I, you know, I've been teaching uh, firearm. In, I've, I've been instructing on fire. Well, so I was a, the unit armorer in my, in my unit. So, I mean, I've been t- instructing on firearms for better part of 15 years. You know, so it was very, you know, safe environment and all that stuff. And one of the girls that was there, like, literally just started bawling her fucking eyes out. Like, we, like, just in yeah. a little, you know, 20, 22. And it was in the moment, I wanted to be like, what the fuck is the matter with you? But at the same time, like, her reaction was real. Yeah. It was real to a fear that she genuinely held. Now, granted, well, I, I would argue that that fear comes from a very misplaced place, but that's not really her fault. 
But think about you know people I mean? who are scared of dogs. You know, like for no reason other than they've heard stories about dogs mauling people. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and you you're like, dude, what are you talking about? Like my Chihuahua is super cute, and they're literally shaking in their boots because your dog is trying to come up and lick them. It's you you think it's silly, but they're we're much easier. It's much easier to believe. Okay, I I get why you're scared of dogs. Dogs do maul people, but we laugh at people when they get really upset about guns. Not realizing that, like, it's just as easy to become traumatized by something that you don't understand as it is if, to become traumatized by something uh, that when something bad actually well, happens think, to you. Think about think about if you've lived your whole life never witnessing a thunderstorm, and then you hear, yeah. you know, you're like 30 years oh. old and you hear thunder for the first time and you see lightning for the first time. Like, how like, God, God, shit bricks. You know, you know. God, <laughs> God is laying yeah. siege right yeah. now. You know, I'd, I'd God, go from God zero to religious real quick. And I actually just took, I took two people that are, they're not new to guns, right? They they have shotguns before, uh, just not, not you know, not handguns. They're a little rusty. Um, and this is this is something that I, I always run into with, with new or, or like kind of rusty shooters. Gun shooting guns is a very tactile experience. It's there's a lot of sound, there's a lot of noise, a lot of force, um, and it's it's something that you just are generally not used to unless you do it a lot. Um, and even if you're into it, you know, if you don't have the endurance for it, you know, after you know 30, 40 minutes on, on your first range trip, a lot of people end up with the, the shaky hands and the nerves and the you know yeah. like well, you know, a lot of it is nerves, like you yeah. said. But but that's but that's people that are like looking forward to shooting too. So if you're if you're starting from a position where like guns are scary, that noise and that 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 feeling of it um, can be you know even a twenty two right, like it can be a lot, you know. And and I I, I really I, I I do think it's silly sometimes, but you know, from from a certain perspective, I can understand like why, uh, you know how you can end up in that position. Yeah. If you think about it, especially a lot of these kids, a lot of these people have grown up since, uh, since childhood, being being fed these. Think about how a like a a a, a kid becomes a racist adult. You know, you're you're fed certain things from your parents and your community. If if all you hang around with are your parents who are vehemently anti-gun and also scared of guns, but you don't know that as a kid, you just think that they're telling you the truth, uh, and 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 being realistic with you. Um, if that's the only experience you have with guns and then you, you are around guns for the first time, you have to contend with all of those emotions that you've had that, that you're, that are building yeah, up leading up to that, that moment. Yeah, exactly. And it's, James, yeah, it's I, not that unreasonable when you, when you come at it from that angle, you yeah. know, no, like and if you've been, it comes back to your point that you made earlier. When you come at these things with empathy instead of criticism, yeah. automatically you're you're much more yeah. likely to. So break if somebody this shoots stuff, a twenty-two but... for the first time and breaks down crying, uh, and then you tell her like, "Wow, you look really stupid right now." Like you think she's gonna come back to the shooting range? I might <laughs> no, think I, that. I just made. I just. I just <laughs> but, made it. But I'm not gonna it. say that. Like, yeah. I just made yeah. a future Moms Against Gun Violence fucking yeah. advocate. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Yeah, because the know, first it's... gun owner that they came into contact with that took them to the range where they were extremely vulnerable just like, called wow, them a, a stupid dummy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was I was texting yeah, Jordan about this, but I just took, just this past week, I took a friend to the range. Well, it's sort of a new friend of mine. It's a friend of mine's boyfriend, and he is from another country, and he is from a country that has very strict gun laws. 
and uh, our girlfriends were out, or my wife and his girlfriend were out doing stuff, and I was like, hey, I just got a bunch of 30-30 ammo. I got a sight in my my new my new optic on my on my on my rifle. Oh yeah. <laughs> you want to come to America? Let's have an authentic American experience. I'm gonna bring you to my range. Hamburgers and bullets. We're gonna we're gonna shoot a bunch of guns. Very nice. And and we were doing a bu- we were shooting a bunch of shit and we we're having a really good time. And he was helping me sight in my 30-30. Yeah. And it was on like the third or fourth like iteration that um, he got a little too comfortable. And he didn't have the the and you know a thirty oh, yeah. thirty's got some thirty thirty thirty's no slouch, dude. I mean, it's not. And, and, uh... <laughs> All it reminds me is that line from uh, Tremors when they're picking guns out to go kill the worm, and the guy's like, "You're gonna need more than that little thirty thirty right there. You better take this thirty out six or something." Like that. that guy just that guy just died. Bert, Bert Gummer. Oh. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. The Bert guy, Gummer's the, the character, guy... not the actor. Yeah, I don't know um, the actor's name. Anyway, I'm sorry, James. But he, no, 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 he, he just, uh, it was like the third or fourth like iteration of shooting, and and we were getting it really fucking tuned in, and he he didn't like lock it into his into his pocket. And, you got that uh, slap. Oh God, he fucking I hear, plow, and I'm I'm looking through my binos, you know, ch- checking and adjusting the sights, and he just turns around and goes, Ugh. and there's just blood <laughs> pouring down his fucking face. Oh like, no. Oh, I thought, I thought you were gonna tell me he got a bruise on his shoulder. No, the the uh, it's a it's a the ring on the a really short object. eye relief scope. Yeah, so it's got that kind of sharp edge, and it yep. got gash right down the middle of his forehead. Like, oh my god! Luckily, I I had stereo strips. The Americans with me, hurt me, but I was like, <laughs> I felt so you bad America. because he was he he yeah. didn't give a shit. He was just embarrassed. He's like. I finally came to America and I'm doing this American thing. I got all fucked up doing the American. That genuinely makes me sad because I I feel like he was having such a great time before that. And he was a really good sport about it. He was a really good sport about it. He was about to buy a cowboy hat. And I did I did tell him when he goes home that like don't tell people that's what happened. Just tell them (laughs) that you got into a fight with a bunch of Trumpers in a bar. Yeah. And and like and and you should see the other guy type situation, you know. Yeah. But I but I, that but that's it. I do take it. I suppose it goes without saying. I take it very very seriously when I take folks to the range, and I I treat it almost like I am their instructor, right? And and it's the only time that I've ever had someone get hurt. Uh, and, and thankfully, it wasn't anything big, well, and, and it wasn't. Yeah, you know. and that's the extent of the injuries. That's not the worst thing in the world, but it's still, you know, for somebody's first experience, that's like he's going to be talking about that. There was enough blood, though I will say. Well, the face I was, a cons- lot. I well, especially the forehead, Ugh. you know. And but there was enough blood, and he was wearing eye protection, and then the eye protection kind of like smushed the blood all over the place. And oh, I was no. afraid that I, no, I was afraid that the, the the ammo that I bought was pretty cheap, and I was afraid that I had cheap ammo that like one of them cracked oh, like blew in up the, in his face. Oh, yeah, no. and I was just like, oh my fucking god! And not to mention like his girlfriend would kill me like if he died. Um, yeah. What if his face was like permanently disfigured? She'd be oh, yeah. scars are badass, dude. Yeah, scars are cool. What are you talking about? Disfigured. You have kids nowadays, like, like <laughs> shaving scars into their eyebrows. Jesus, are you have serious? You seen this? Not actual scars, but they're like shaving off lines in their eyebrows to look like scars. Jordan, oh, that's not. What that, I get it. Jordan, that's not what that's about. I, I get it. Not, Wait, is it a thing? Is it something else? Does it have a, a meaning? Yeah. What does it mean? Oh, Jordan's out of touch. Wait. Wait! Oh my God! Is this my <laughs> "I'm over 30" moment that I've dreaded he my entire life? He doesn't know what life? the kids are doing. No. Their what eyebrows. does this mean? Oh, 
you're around it's, the children. Tell me what. No, this it's means. no, it's like it's like a, it's supposed to be like a gang. Is it a thing. rap thing? <laughs> no, well, it it is supposed to be like a gang thing, and it's it's like a it's like a sign that you've. So for a while, it used to be that you had like killed somebody. Uh, that was a teardrop. Um, no, that's killed somebody in prison. I hate, I hate to break it to you, Jordan, but there's more than one of these. Uh, <laughs> And, and you're no, telling me you, that different places have different customs and you as a as a middle class white guy in Connecticut may not be super in tune with gang culture this uh, sun and bird back tat I got from this Russian guy in in, uh, in New York said it was totally legit and said it meant peace uh, but no yeah they, they, they and you know how they'll, they'll sometimes they'll shave a couple they'll shave two or three yeah, it's meant, to, it's meant. It's like a flex. It's meant. To There's like 14 year old girls getting these things done. You mean to tell me yeah. it's a gang thing? Yeah, and remember in the early 90s when like starting to sag in your pants became a thing, and all the fucking white kids in fucking in the high school that you went to started doing that exact same shit. Yeah, yeah. Trend spread, bro. We all wore jeans Fun at my stuff. high school. They sag jeans. Not skin tight wranglers, buddy. You, you never had uh you never had uh echo jeans, apparently. Jankos. I, I've heard I've Janko. heard of these Oh, jeans. I had Jankos. echo jeans. I had the Jankos, the ones with the really huge. Like, yeah, you're older than me. Like, yeah, I am. That's pretty rad. Um, <laughs> Speaking of uh bell bottom jeans for men and sagging pants. This um, sounds really James, specific. I, yeah, I, I wanted to ask you something because we're approaching the two-hour mark, um, and, I, and yeah. this is a question that I really wanted to ask. Um, so speaking of that stuff, you you are, you are have called yourself a full-blown libtard multiple times, probably yeah. once a day when I hang out with you, when you actually yeah. uh, agree to see me. Um, <laughs> where do you think the hang-up is with liberals and guns? And, and what do you think has made you see the light. Are you someone breaking into your home? No. Um which if they did, you know, I've got Boyd here, it'd be he'd handle Yeah, it. he'd um, snuggle them to death. Yeah, he would. Um so I think it's that's a really It's really a loaded question. question. I, I realize that. No, but. it's no it's not. It's not. It's I mean it's No, it's a great would, question. I would sort of turn. I would sort of turn it around. It's loaded and with great. And I would say. I would say that like. So at once upon a time, like the left, were comprised of folks that believed that, the government was going to solve most of the problems. Right. That government intervention was like the greatest tool that we had at our disposal. And the right were folks, that believed in limited government. The, the, as as limited of a role of government as possible. And I think we can all agree that's no longer the case, right? I was just listening to fucking Mitch McConnell talking about a federal ban on abortion, right? They love states' rights until they don't, right? Yeah, it's limited government until it's something I disagree with. So I think, unfortunately, you know, if you look at, like, in the... In the and this actually comes back to everything that we talked about, right? The timeline of, of sort of the, the, the gun control and the gun rights movements and... The, where it falls in the Constitution and all that stuff. Up until the 70s, 60s and 70s, it wasn't really much of a thing to even talk about, frankly, right? And and now, gun violence is a problem, 
we can all acknowledge that. 30,000 yeah. people a year, that's a lot of people. It, Violence should, is a problem, it, I would agree. We should care yeah. about that, right? We yeah. should yeah. we should care about any fuck, we should care about anything that kills 30,000 people a year, right? Yeah. Well, you know, but, and a lot of the just not I cars. Mean, well, I'm not going well, no, we, we, we should. I would, I would say that All violence is a, is, is, a, is a problem, and people and the fact that people are choosing to use guns is, is an issue, for sure. Well, and, and also, if we're talking about we can't call 30,000 gun deaths violence because a lot of that is uh, suicides. Two-thirds. Yeah. But, 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 yeah. but, yeah, but go on. But the, but gun the, deaths. But the, point, the, the, point, the point remains— it's funny. I actually, it was funny. And when I was like going through all my notes for the shit, I was actually thinking about if I said this the wrong way, you guys would have that exact reaction. Which is, <laughs> and here we are. Um, we were waiting. <laughs> we have goddamn I, liberals with their, their, their false statistics. I, I know, I know, I know my audience, but no, but the, the, I can't wait to tell them that two thirds of gun deaths are suicides. <laughs> Did you know? Did where, you hear? <laughs> where the, where the divide exists though, is that, and I suspect the three of us and many of your listeners know that the, 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 the solution to those problems is not, the, not a matter of banning something, right? These are, as, as, as both of you have alluded to, these are systemic problems, right? Violence of all yeah. types occurs not just for like one-off reasons, right? Like crime doesn't occur for one-off reasons. These are systemic issues. And one of the things that that's really problematic is that you can't, when it comes to the challenges of the, of the sort of the pro-gun argument, uh, I think there's really two things at play here. One is that those systemic issues seem too big to solve. So it's easier to just be against it, right? I'm against this thing. I'm against this mechanism, right? Uh, so I'm in favor of banning this or banning that. It's an easy solution. And we, and, and we do that across the board. Conservatives do it with certain things. Yeah. Liberals do it with different things, right? It's the easy solution. Do you think but there's would... an acknowledgement of that though? That that this is the the because because and I'm sorry to cut you off, but a lot no, no, of the, the hang up that I see is that there it, it doesn't seem to be that there's even an acknowledgement that the problem is systemic. But I'm going to ban guns because it makes me feel good. It's because there, that there would are that would require of... them to actually take the time to educate themselves about the issue. But liberals are as... educated, right? Like they're they're well, liberals they're educated are educated and conservatives are idiots. You know. They have college degrees. That does not mean that they're educated. Yeah, yeah. And I say that as a college professor. Like, yeah. it's, like and, and no, we I was being sarcastic, like, obviously. But, I mean, but, but like, but I mean, and 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 you know, but I I would also argue that one of the biggest barriers I run into, like when I am taking a friend to the range or whatever the case may be, or or, or we get talking about guns or you know, um, is their experiences with the folks and I, I i talked about this a little bit before is like the folks that like really fetishize gun culture yeah yeah right and because it's it, it's like with any i don't know i don't want to say hobby but like where someone takes it too far you know what i mean and that yeah. thing becomes like warhammer the core becomes the core component of their identity it doesn't become something fucking... that serves your life it becomes like your soul like your life yeah exactly one of my biggest pet peeves are veterans like that forgot that veterans that forget that they, they got out. I'm yeah. glad that you said that because um, I have a, a you know I, I pick on this one a little bit too. <laughs> you know, 
Just uh, vet bros. And we've talked about this on the show too. So, yeah. uh, vet bros thinking that they're the final fucking word on uh, on guns and and gun laws. On everything. Every, just God. <laughs> yeah. Which like, I, I, you got to remind people that that it's a job. I say that with everything. Like you know, as a firefighter, I say all the time, like don't give us cops hey, military thank you for your service. don't get any thank please thank me for I'm my the only, service i'm the only civilian it's, in this group by the way we got two uh we got two i don't hard there's, charging there's nothing about dick swinging uh soldiers here <laughs> i don't know anything about swinging you but, know i, th- I know, thought about there. i thought about putting uh, putting my my dress uniform on for this yeah for this <laughs> oh god yeah i'm sure you know. I, if I could find mine, which I know where it is, it definitely wouldn't fit around my neck anymore. I will say that, and that's not <laughs> because neck. I've been working out. <laughs> definitely my neck. My neck was the that was tight, but that's what that's um, what blew up, man. <laughs> no, there, that was the, one of the last things that blew out. But, um, I, I digress. But I guess, anyway. to, to, but to answer your question, those are the two things for me. It's the political. It's the politiz- politicization of it. Right, yeah. it's that it's become a thing that if you are someone who identifies as a Democrat or as a liberal or whatever, you're just yeah. not allowed to be programmed. Yeah. Uh, Why do you think it's it's gotten to that point though, where it's so where it's become so polarized that you know you you can't be pro gun if you're a Democrat and you have to be pro gun if you're a conservative. It's not it's not limited to it's not limited to gun stuff though, and then and no, that's of course like, not. It's we 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 have a two party system which is inherently flawed. Yeah. Because there is this crazy thing called diversity of perspective that our whole system does not respect in the slightest. It doesn't exist. There's a reason that like modern democracies in like every other modern country have like 14 fucking political parties. Yeah, it's, it's because they don't have first past the post winner take all voting. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, we could do a. Whole... They don't have all the uh, the crazy <laughs> loops that you have to jump through to we could, qualify we as could a third do a party whole candidate. Thing about yeah. rank choice yeah. voting and what that would do, but that's that's its own that's its own sort of thing. But I, f- I feel like so I'm I think technically pickle. pickle. Oh, you did. Oh, my dude, rank choice voting. Pickle is totally so tickled. If 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 Ted Cruz gets a boner over child porn, I get one over rank choice voting. Hundred percent. I don't. I don't know if I'm comfortable uh, with that connection. This podcast is not sponsored by Ted Cruz or his boner. <laughs> Or is, yeah, there wouldn't, <laughs> there, wouldn't there. there wouldn't be much to sponsor from what I've heard. Uh-oh. Um, but <laughs> who are you talking about? No, and then the second, no, and, but the second part. Yeah, is, who are you talking to? About who are you talking to? Ted Cruz's dick. Let me tell you about Ted Cruz's Dude, dick. Dude, I see Ted Cruz's dick every day, and let me tell you, like, like it's still three, small. You know, it's the bulge this week. <laughs> I thought he but was no, the other part, He said he had a boner. The second part is the gun. It's the gun bros. The yeah. gun bros make it fucking impossible. Yes, this is true. Like, like and and like, I, yeah. don't get me wrong. Wait, 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 I'm friends wait, can, with some can gun we pause? Bros. Can we pause? I'm gonna go ahead and apologize for body shaming people with small penises. Um, I actually don't have anything against small penis people. I was taking a cheap shot at Ted Cruz. If you've got a small penis and you were uh, uh, offended by that joke, um, please accept my sincere apology. I'm not even joking right now. I'm being completely serious. You should. We should not be making fun of small dick people. Okay, sorry, continue. I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, continue, was, please. I, please, that's the last I want to talk about it. Please continue. No, all I was going to say is just, like, the amount of times that I've run into, like, the gun bros <laughs> and the number of times that they have ruined really positive range experiences for friend, friends of mine, and I'm just like... Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's a real to, problem. Like, what... Just like gun bros on the same uh, on the same plane, the dudes that just 
go to the a, the indoor range in the lane next to you and just mag dump their fucking 12 inch AR yeah, with next, the fucking next muzzle to break. You. Yeah, you got a person trying to practice on a on a on an SR22 SR22. Yeah. Something chill. Literally just yeah, something <laughs> something chill and just mag dumping their 357 Oh god. Anyway, Yes, James. Just, you, I, I see what you're saying. Is this why you guys do these like late at ago. night? Is so that way it like it like peters out towards the end, where like <laughs> no, it's towards the, the end. The truth is, yeah. it's entirely my fault because I cannot set aside a few hours during the day to do it. Uh, no, with my kid. Andrew has a child. He has a, a an extremely adorable, sweet little man. But he doesn't stop. His name is. <laughs> who, well, I'm, we can bleep that out if, if you want. Uh, he is he's like a grown man in a baby skin. It and is he's got, absolutely adorable. Man, he's got so he much dresses him energy. so well. He, he dresses <laughs> him so well. He dresses him like somebody I'd want to party with constantly. Just so like wait, Hawaiian so, shirts and like and like board shorts all day. So how do you I, guys know each other? How, where where did this, where did this Oh be? man, this is a great story. Um we met on the internet. Um oh, that's the story it. That's of the how we story. first met. <laughs> and when did you when did you, when did when did you guys fuck for the first time? Um we we have not yet consummated our uh no. friends with benefits relationship. You no, started a not. podcast with that fucking first. That's, that's true. I feel like that's sacrilege. We've never if we, anything, we haven't even, even docked, more intimate. my bro. No. Wait, have you guys actually not ever have you met in person? We haven't no. even talked about if that's possible. What? Really? Yeah, we are a com- this is a completely modern remote relationship. Yeah, we've never met. That's actually one of the goals of this is, uh, yeah, you know, if we, we ever get past money, two Patreon have... supporters, we would some, love I mean, to meet in person. You guys have some interviewee chemistry, I assumed you guys had actually, like... We just we just kind of We've had some great conversations. For a while. Yeah. Yeah. He, he'll, he'll just come into my DMs and just, like, ah, and I'll just go, <laughs> ah, back. And it's, it's That's actually what it sounds like, yeah. Progressively better over time, and, and now we're here, and now it's just kind of... Ah, with a better mic, you know. Well, as long as it's progressive, that's all I care about. You know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we know. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and it's it's funny because like we're we're we we kind of united. We we kind of felt a, a connection over being like the odd man out in like almost any uh, political conversation. Yeah. Um, because we're know. both very. I I think. Well, it's interesting. Like you know, uh, Andrew says he's a libertarian with a lowercase L, yeah. and I I used to identify as a libertarian before I realized that I just have no idea what the fuck I am. Yeah, I I I, I don't. Which is okay. You you don't of, need yeah. to put yourself none of us. In a box. I, we were just having this conversation the other day, James. Like none of us like boxes. Like we don't like. I I think it's it's evident from from our page that we're we're not strictly libertarian. We're yeah. we're more left leaning. Yeah. But but I would. But there's a hard line in the sand as to how far left we are also because, you know, we're not communists, we're not socialists, but we support – I we I say we, it's literally myself. Um, well, you know, like, and when I, the majority would, of gun control legislation is coming from the left, right? Like that yeah. – like, Well, and that's we, the, we that's the disconnect. That part, like. Yeah, and that's the disconnect, unfortunately, is that, you know, uh, the times of, of Reagan-era gun control are kind of over and now it's it's mostly NIMBY liberals – passing this stuff so yeah. mm-hmm. you know you, you you have to draw a line in the sand and and say uh you know i like i'm for certain social programs and like things that would be considered socialist to conservatives but you know, it, not 
not conservative and not you know uh or not 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 communist or or anything like that and and yeah. uh i um like i i run a business i'm obviously pro free market <laughs> yeah you know but there there are limitations to that too and you know i i anyway we're in the weeds now no but. my 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 thing too is that it's like you know um it's and this ties into what you're talking about about how uh, a lot of uh, left of center um potential gun people are are alienated by this gun bro culture you know a lot of the online gun spaces are dominated by uh conservative voices and so the instant that you start a page where you're like hey we're not that you know you're going to be flooded with leftists um mm. and like like hard left well cuz people are looking for a place to go yeah and that's awesome. I mean, you know, we're I'm happy to to people say people I, I get comments all the time, you know, people saying like we're really happy you're doing this because there's 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 like what you said, there's nothing out there like this. And there's yeah. the the thing is there are a ton of pages out there like this. Like we've we've talked about Yellow Peril Tactical before, we've talked oh, about yeah. um, you know, like Gorilla Tactical, which is more like subtly left leaning, but but um or if they are at all, but they're well, but so so it's like okay, Yellow Peril Tactical is is a leftist gun page, but they're also very specific, right? You know, they're yeah. they're they're talking their goal is uh like like uh, gear advice, training tips, and and some and from some like Asian, Asian cultural Americans. perspectives yeah. for uh you know like like poor leftists trying to get trying to maximize their 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 dollar in 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 the gun world you know um and they do a really good job at that um you know and they do a lot of political commentary too they do a lot of socialist political commentary but. You know, it's not the same thing as the sort of like generalized, uh, inclusive gun space that you're trying to build. And I think, you know, I I definitely don't think our page is the only page doing that, but I think it's 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 one. Uh, it, I don't know. I guess we're like trying to be the Swiss Army knife of of in- inclusive gun culture. It's it's. Uh, well, and you're going to get into some hot water there, inevitably. And, but that's sort yeah. of part of the. I feel which like we have. You said it yourself. You know, like when, when whenever we post, uh, and I don't know if you noticed, but like you said, um, I think you commented on on one of our trans rights posts mm. um, that you know it's a shame that this is one of the least interacted with posts on your page. And then after you said that, conveniently, <laughs> uh, somebody it had a it ton like a of interaction um, from from people who had a lot to say, uh, but yeah, it got but, rated. Uh, man. You get you were a lot the of subject words, of but the... not a lot said. If that makes any sense. <laughs> oh um, no! Well, after after you sent, sent mentioned that, I, I like dug into it. And one of the things I actually do on a pretty regular basis is like when when a post that you make intrigues me for one way or the other, whether it's maybe I'm slightly critical of the way that you you write something, or or I really really agree with it, or whatever. I'll go down to the comments and I'll start like looking at like what people are saying about it and I'll and I'll check out their profiles to try to get a sense of like okay so who the fuck are the people that are aligned with this viewpoint um, right because I'll say that like I'm on board with an, an enormous chunk of it um, I mean probably 95 plus per percent but it's interesting to see the really frankly like really diverse um, sort of following that y'all have at this point and um 
I don't know. I guess I've just I've never experienced that within gun culture in to any, be honest, anywhere outside of outside yeah. of your your page. To be honest, I had like two friends before doing this who <laughs> like probably you included who I would agree with on most things gun culture and I didn't know there was this big leftist gun community until we started this page and it uh and we you know we were off to a a bumpy start at first um learned a lot along the way learned uh you know what to pay attention to what not to pay attention to and things yeah. like that but uh um it, it's it's like it, you know i i try to explain this to like my liberal friends who are anti gun um or who are not open to the idea of guns that like there are uh you know like i'll say i went to the ra- i went shooting you know with so and so the other day and and you know, their first reaction is like that they're this MAGA FUD person. And it's like, no, they actually, they voted for Bernie. Yeah. And they're like, they don't know where to go from that. <laughs> um, I love does that. Not I love that like slack jawed sort of like. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh. Um, actually at the, the range that I go to and, and Jordan, there's a person that you and I know in common that works there um, who is not yep. a white person. No. And a friend of mine that I brought there was just fucking astounded. They're like, a... "Wait, not all the." Is he all... just really tan? Not all. <laughs> it's like, nah, bro. Like, and I don't know. I just like, um, it's an important but very nuanced sort of part of the whole conversation, you know, and and one that like I'd love to pretend like I've got it, you know, hemmed up. You know, nobody what I mean? does. I, I, like I can talk the constitutional end of it till my fucking face turns blue, and I can turn arguments on people. That's a piece of cake. But when it comes down to like the day to day, it goes okay. How afraid are you of this, and how do you know how to interact with it, and where do you get the information from that helps you make those decisions, right? And those three sort of key points, and and let's be real, that applies to everything. That applies to um, really any yeah. politicized you know concept but it's on us to be able to make those interventions and to leverage our like personal capital that we have with people to say hey like i'm not trying to fucking indoctrinate you yeah (laughs) uh (laughs) i found some really cheap 556 and i want to shoot it and my gun range has makes really good hamburgers yeah so let's hamburger and and shoot guns they make hamburgers. You gotta, you, wait, you got a yeah. you got a gun range that makes hamburgers? Yeah. So my gun range has a cafe. I want to talk about this. Uh, Are we talking about a... Blue Trail? Yeah. Like they don't just like what? microwave like packaged hamburgers. Like they'll make a oh, hamburger. No, 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 no. They have no, no. Oh, don't talk smack about microwave hamburgers, man. No, they're grilled. <laughs> they're grilled. They're they're on the they're on the griddle, and they make a double cheeseburger that will fuck your shit up in the most positive way. Yeah, possible. they they got onions in that joint. Yeah, hundred percent. They'll do grilled onions. Um, so many onions. Yeah, and actually, yeah, 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 yeah. And they actually have some pretty affordable five, five, six right now. Hashtag I, I've always range. had a good uh, experience with Blue Trail. I've <laughs> never had a bad one there. What was no, that? they're great. They're great. And the other thing I really like about that place is their range cadre actually do their fucking job. Yeah. As like, uh, as as strange as as it is the first time you go there when you're not. Uh, used to the way that they run things, yeah. Um, but it, but it is it's safe. I'll say that. No, and they're not, they're not dicks. Yeah. They will come no, no, through. Not at all. They will come through and they will make a correction, 
and they'll be very thoughtful about it and not dicks about it and they'll explain why they're making that correction i'm all about that like you because suck. that's that, you that don't suck that's that like responsible gun ownership thing where i'm like fuck yeah, yeah. let's like promote like safe use of firearms and you know like i like for example um i have a um a walther ppk like an older walther ppk uh and you can't actually lock the the bolt to the rear you can't yeah. uh, lock the slide back unless the mag's in it and he came through and was like your shit isn't locked back and i was like look at the gun i can't like i, I can't and he actually showed me how where you can actually you just stick an empty mag in it and it yeah. locked yeah, it yeah. that way and oh, he was cool. like there you, you can go also and use he a flag a rain um like a chamber flag yes but that's yes, a, that's absolutely. an extra thing and, you have to carry around yeah and i i didn't have one and but it was like he turned it into like an educational opportunity and he wasn't a dick about it and yeah. everyone on the range was safe and i learned something win-win yeah. like I, i'll pay for that shit all day long well and that's the experience that you really want to convey to people who are whether whether you're a gun owner or not left right whatever um as as a gun owner when somebody shows ignorance uh, uh and and like I said before, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's it's just something you don't know, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's the, a learning way, opportunity. Perfect you know, example, like when somebody calls a mag a clip, you know, instead of saying it's a fucking mag, you know, just saying like, hey, you know, just an FYI, it's actually it's a magazine, and if you want to sound really smart with these guys who like take this way more personally than I do, if you say magazine, they're gonna respect you a whole lot more because they're gonna think you know what you're talking about, and it's gonna be one I, less thing they're gonna pick you apart on. I like will one hundred percent bring someone down to my basement and like show them the difference and be like, "Here's why they're different," and actually, here's yeah. how they work differently. Yeah. And now you know. Like, yeah. it doesn't help when ninety ninety five percent of uh, media outlets still call it assault style weapons and still call them clips, extendo magazines, on block like clipazines. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, anyway, <laughs> violence committed uh, with a clippity doo dah. Yeah. <laughs> One clip a day. No, but yeah, I, it, anyway. I I agree with all of that. You know, you you gotta be when you make corrections with new shooters, it's gotta be gentle. Um, you know, everybody. You and know, maybe I don't know. it's not the military. Yeah, people, no, people and maybe be, I'm like real tough about it. But sorry, what were you saying? Well, no, I was just gonna say maybe I've gotten accustomed to it because I teach seven year olds. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're a little more sensitive, you know. You know, and but think and about like, how a seven-year-old learns. And, and but if I give like... them, if I give them that foundational introduction, right? Like, and one of the things I've dealt with with, um, you know, uh, some of our parents are very liberal and maybe are freaked out by the notion or whatever. And um, one of the things I tell them is like, "Hey, I'm not saying you need to take your kid out hunting after this, but if your son." is at a friend's house and he pulls out dad's pistol that's stuffed in a shoebox in the back of the yeah. closet would you rather have him a pro would you rather have yeah. him have a profound respect for what that thing can do and know the basics of like how to like engage with it in a safe way whether that's telling your friend you put that back in the box you asshole you're gonna get us both killed but like when I show them that, then the parents are like, oh, yeah. Because guess what? Hundreds of millions of guns in this country. They're not going anywhere. At minimum, yeah. show your kid how to be around them in the way that maximizes their own personal safety. It's the most selfish version of it. But sure, if that, if that helps like get some 
you know, shift some thinking. That's a that's yeah. a win. That was actually one of the questions that I had lined up, but I think that's uh that's pretty self explanatory right there. I mean, it's it's how you get someone to understand that it's a tool and not a not a boogeyman. Yeah. Uh, is is a different battle altogether, but I think no, you know, more knowledge rather than less is is always better. It's easier Given when you the start worst it. case. Sorry, I was just saying. Well, it's worst case scenario, we live in Connecticut. There, there's what is it called, like James's Law or something like that. Or, uh, uh, a kid was killed because his his he pulled out a uh, his father's pistol from his closet, mm-hmm. and, pretty sure in a shoebox, and and killed his friend. Oh uh, yeah. Um, which now, like, uh, which is fucking awful. And yeah, it's totally it's appropriate. It, it's totally appropriate to like empathize with people that are concerned about that. Yeah. The irony, of course, is that like any even marginally responsible gun owner keeps their firearms secured. Well, right. Yeah, right. Like, uh, but of course, it's always some asshole that doesn't. Right. Like, you know, unfortunately, it's always the one. And so, so you definitely want your kids to be prepared, but. Um, I feel like guns stand out as a as a as a potential threat in parents' threat models in a way that mundane things uh, typically don't, like mm. swimming pools, for instance. Um, sure. Something I'm very concerned about, you know, as as a parent, is you know my son one day going over to uh, uh, a kid, you know, his his friend's house, and they've got a swimming pool without a fence around it, like a lot of people do. Um, and, you know, having like unsupervised time around the pool, um, that's like one of the number one ways that, uh, that, that kids accidentally die. Mm. Uh, it's not getting shot. It's, uh, it's, you know, drowning, accidental drowning mm. in pools and bathtubs. Um, you know, there's also exposure to chemicals and poisons, uh, just household items like, like that. Um, and just like with guns, the solution is to like teach your kids. Like, like you know, I've got my like, you know, yeah. Before before my son turned uh, uh, one, you know, we had him in uh, like swimming lessons. Mm. We were doing. Um, oh, I don't think that's true. I think it was after he turned one. Anyways, you know, we we we've done like swimming lessons, man. and and you know, we we have like uh, you know methodologies that we're learning for for how to you know teach your very young children how to swim. Um, and just like with like household chemicals or like ladders or, you know, tools, power tools. It's like, you, you know, you teach your kids like electrical outlets, electrical, fucking, you know, you, uh, you know, like, I learned by yeah. touching one, but, but you, well, some people do, but, <laughs> yeah. but generally, you know, you try to teach your kids like, you know, Hey, this is dangerous, but useful. Um, you know, it's going to be around you and, and, you know, like, you just need to keep your fingers out of it. Mm. Um, and it's, it's really guns are no different in that sense. Um, but for some reason they occupy this outsized space in people's minds, especially for, for how, um, you know, comparatively and frequently gun accidents, uh, happen. Yeah, for sure. And if you think about it too, like that's a relatively new problem, right? Like I just think about like, like, my dad grew up in Ansonia, Connecticut, which is like the burbs, essentially, you know, and like shot his dad's 22 at some bottles in the backyard when he yeah. was like seven, you know, like, and, and oh my God, if I shot my 22 in my backyard, I would get arrested 
uh, 120%. And, but, You're also right on an airport, so that might add some yeah. extra. Uh... <laughs> yeah, my neighbors are like eight feet away, but like, but no, but, 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 but to, to Andrew's point though about like demonstrating that thing, these things are tools and that knowledge around them is an asset and not like a guarantee of danger, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Well, because what you know, else that, like, does that by apply By knowing to? more about it. Well, I mean, unfortunately, I think Andrew's absolutely right that, that, that like, guns fall into a really specific space of where, whereas, like, even if you give a kid, like, the most basic level of knowledge and you're like, this is the muzzle, Don't this is the danger at end, yeah. Yeah. at minimum, no one will die if you never point this at anybody. Yeah. Start there, you know, like, but we're not even supposed to do that. We're not even supposed yeah. to show them. We're not supposed to talk about it. Yeah. Because I pretend like they're not a thing. You know, we're supposed to pretend that this thing that are dying. Yeah. Well, exactly. You say we, it's exactly. not us, but it's, it's people. I mean, and, and like I said, the, 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 the way in which I've had the most success with parents has been to say, hey, when your kid's friend, and I don't say if, I always say when, when your son's friend does blank. Do you want them to know how to navigate the situation in the right. safest way possible or yeah. not? Right? Like, it's, you know, and I'm not trying to hit him with some stranger danger bullshit, but like, it's just, it's, it's, it, and frankly, it's the truth. And I'm showing them with bolt action 22s. There couldn't be a better teachable yeah. you know, me- mechanism for, for teaching. Cool. And those same fundamentals apply to a pistol, to a shotgun, to a, whatever, you yeah. know? Um, and I, I, I'm proud of the fact that, like, my kids walk out of that range with those fundamentals. And quite a few of them now, actually, particularly in more recent years, now that I've been I've been teaching there for better part of 10 years, I got kids that are going out and shooting, uh, doing competitive shooting, doing oh, competitive so cool. uh, 22 shooting, doing competitive even, like, higher level stuff. Again, uh, those really super ridiculous 22s that look like a fucking piece yeah, of space, space gun. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah they're ridiculous. <laughs> but like I, it makes me happy that they're like getting into it. Like and some of these kids funny cuz they live in like Manhattan and shit. Uh but guess what? There are gun ranges in Manhattan where you can go do that shit and that's great and I'm glad that they're they're getting into it. Yeah, something tells me it's not like your normal dude that's going to those though. It's uh they're I feel like the, that's that's pretty exclusive. Well, in order no, it's to rich white, gun it's and, rich and, white people shit 100%. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. To the end. Um that's awesome man that's uh i think you're doing a good thing up there um even if it's uh you know you know only as a like a like a a scout level um intro to firearms if it if if it never gets past that but i know it does i know you guys do it annually and and every of these kids come back and continue to shoot Um, when we're bringing back uh trap this year so we hey, picked up a couple awesome. of 20 gauges, so we're going to do some trap with them as well. That's pretty um, so cool. So um, that said, before we sign off, because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fading here. Yeah, um, no, I think we're all just, we're all just kind of like, yeah, like, that's, like, that's yeah, awesome. Okay. All right. <laughs> any any uh, final constitutional questions for the Jenny of you have or anything that I can be helpful with? Do you think that the Constitution has been successful in uh, limiting the government's uh, infringement upon our rights as citizens? Generally speaking, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's you have to draw a little bit of a line because we treat 
gun rights different than basically every other country in the world from a legal perspective. But if you look at some of the other core freedoms, so if you look at, you know, uh, press censorship, um, things like that, um, absolutely. You know, okay. our, our press, our press is a dumpster fire, but not because, <laughs> but not, not because the government has made it. So yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. But it's a good thing because yeah, exactly. It's like, well, the, then we could, we could have a conversation about capitalism, but yeah. Um, but, but like, but does, does that sort of make sense though? Like in terms of like, yeah, yeah. like, like the mayor of my town lives down the street from me. I can go down to his house and I can wave a sign that says mayor so-and-so is a fuckhead. Nothing's going to happen. You'd probably be right. He's actually, he's <laughs> actually a pretty decent dude in the grand scheme of things. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, but just that's unique to my, my little town. But, yeah. but no, I mean, I think, I think overall, I mean, let's be real. If you look at the founding fathers, be they a bunch of slave owning shitheads in their own regard, indeed, they were they were also some of the most educated people in the country, and they did manage to compile a thousand plus years of political thinking into one document. Yeah. And they did do something that was decidedly different than any other political document that existed before that, than any other governmental guidance that existed before that. James Madison is a smart motherfucker. Thomas Jefferson, be he a slave-owning piece of shit, is a, was a smart motherfucker. Well, you got a lot of time they, for self-improvement when you got free labor picking all your crops. 100%. 100%. <laughs> and at least in that context, they put it to relatively good use. <laughs> and they wrote... Yeah, they, 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 and they and they at least managed to and, and you figure and I'm between James, James Madison and Thomas Jefferson. I mean, they're the ones that wrote the vast majority of it, actually, you know, pen to paper uh, or, or quill or whatever the fuck. But like, but I, I would say overall, pens. overall, yes, the era yes, they pens. did. I don't know. I don't know. Did they? I don't know. That's a good question. I'll, I'll let you guys Fount, know. Fountain pens. But yeah. OK, well. It's uh answers that question. Um. Before you go, though, um, not a constitutional question, but yes. in your years uh, walking this planet Earth, um, ha- have you discovered any any like quick small tip that you'd like to share that just a uh, just like a one thing that can like uh, improve people's quality of life, like gun related or no, nah, just anything. Man. Could be anything. Generally... Generally could speaking. be gum related. Just but like could so, be something else. that something that you're really glad that you you figured out and you just really want to share, like with a people. sweet tip, like a nice little nice little uh, piece of info for uh, making some people happy. Um, to the specifically to the guys that are listening to this this podcast. Yep, there's a lot of them. Um, it's like sixty. Not only not only is it okay. <laughs> But you should talk about how you feel. Oh, and you should never, totally. and you should never ever I feel as though you should never ever feel as though by being candid about the way that you feel about things that that is by any means a sign of weakness. If if anything, oh, this is so unbranded. It is the antithesis. And go to fucking therapy, y'all. Yeah, go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Go to therapy and talk That's about awesome. your feelings and tell the people that you that you care about. How much you fucking care about them. Yeah. Love you, James. Love you too, bro. I love you both. 
Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. This is really fun. I really, this is, this is, I was, I told Jordan I had a hard cutoff at midnight and here we sit an hour later. So, (laughs) (laughs) oopsie. This is actually Uh our longest podcast uh, by like a half hour. Yeah. You're welcome. So, it's uh it's been fun james i really appreciate you coming on yeah this man. Is a good time and uh i'm chill. sure people learned a lot um no this is this is really fun i really enjoyed this oh yeah this was well we'll do it again sometime time. thanks we'll talk about I'd something something more specific and esoteric about the constitution yeah if you ever have if you ever have constitutional shit you want to dive deep into give me a fucking holler we'll i it. i think uh for part two we we uh um there's a uh, I have a bunch of stuff we didn't hit on and uh, I'm gonna save that I'm not gonna say what it was but um, it's, it's not as constitutionally but it might touch on it I love it awesome I love touching well thank you again James <laughs> touch it anyway just touch it uh, just touch it <laughs> okay, James bye. thank you for coming on man thanks guys <laughs> Have a good night. Yeah.